My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today, it is episode 115, and we are going to focus on the WWE versus WCW Monday Night Wars. Now, Dan, it's been a while, but are you ready today's... I am indeed, Jess. I do like going back in time, especially to around the Attitude Era. And uh, yes, it is very enjoyable. It is definitely the advent of Attitude that we are watching now, of course, 20 years on. From 1997, this is our third episode following the Monday Night Wars. We've followed the most important parts, haven't we, Dan, you know? We've seen Sting. We've seen Austin, the 316 era beginning. The NWO and the formation of DX. Yeah, that's right. We are going to focus on on this episode here today. Yes, uh, DDP and Savage. Yep. And the three faces of Foley. And, of course, the rise of The Undertaker. Yeah, so what we're going to do is have a look back, because, like I say, the last time we were here was in February from WWF. So we're going to have a look from February, and we'll look at a few clips until the present time now in August of 97. Well, so what's happened since uh, ECW Invasion, Dan, with WrestleMania 13, wasn't it? The pay-per-view results. Yeah, well, it was out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, there was a four-team, eliminate, <coughs> a four-team elimination match. And uh, that was the Headbangers beating the Blackjacks, the Goodwins, and Doug Furness and Phil LaFon. Championship, The Rock beat the Sultan, or yeah. Rocky Maivia. Yeah, and you know the Sultan became Rikishi. Rikishi. Yeah, early Rikishi. That's as, his cousin, isn't it? As Yeah, so he faced his cousin at WrestleMania. We should say WrestleMania 13 is the least financial successful WrestleMania of all time, but that's because WCW was so dominant. But we did have a few other quite good matches, Dan, didn't we? Uh, yeah, we had Hunter Hurst Helmsley. He beat Goldust. Yeah, we saw him and Goldust in the Royal Rumble, didn't we? So that uh, was... Yeah, yeah, you know, that was carrying on till then. Uh, we saw the World Tag Team Championship with the champions Owen Hart and the British Bulldog went against Mankind and Vader, and that went to a double count-out. We saw the infamous uh, submission match where Bret Hart, beat Stone Cold Steve Austin but the match had to be stopped because Stone Cold refused to give up yeah. and, you know you see the famous image of Austin with the claret pouring down his face yeah what's really interesting about that match is that it wasn't meant to happen it was meant to be Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart rematch at Wrestlemania but because of what we saw as well Shawn Michaels losing his smile Austin and Bret Hart who had had that match as far as he was 96 went there but it is one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, isn't oh, it? Oh, no? most definitely, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a phenomenal performance by both men. Of course, Ken Shamrock is the special guest referee in that match as well. But we had more, didn't we? Uh, yeah, we had the Chicago Street Fight. That was the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal, with Ahmed Johnson, and they beat the Nation of Domination. Uh, and last but no, by no means least, we had The Undertaker on his streak, and he won the... World Heavyweight Championship from Sid. Yeah, an awful match, but how apt that at WrestleMania 13, the dead man 
would become WF champion yet again. So, I mean, like I say... wasn't the best WrestleMania ever, but, I mean, it had a few good moments in it, oh, didn't it? Oh, it certainly had some very good moments, yeah. So then we moved into April, and we had the pay-per-view revenge of the Taker, the War Memorial Auditorium, Rochester, New York, the 20th of April. And the thing about this is, of course, the Antaker's first title defence. Well, they decided Mankind would be a good opponent. It was a really good match, really underrated match. And uh, Mankind went off the apron at one point, head first into the announce table, which is one of the first time we ever saw the announce table going through. But what other matches were on the card, Dan? Tag Team Championships on the line, and that was the Road Warriors going against Owen Hart and British Bulldog. Owen Hart and British Bulldog retained the tag team titles. Uh, Jesse James beat Rockabilly, which yes. is quite an interesting matchup because, you know, they'd later to go on to become a very great tag team, the New Age Outlaws. And of course, if you're not down with that, James, I've got two words for you. <laughs> you know, the aforementioned WWE Championship match, Undertaker against Mankind, which Undertaker won. Continental Championship, Savio Vega beat champion Rocky Maivia by count out, but again, the title didn't change hand. We had Stone Cold beating Bret Hart by disqualification. So there was a few uh, dodgy finishes. There was. I mean, like I say, it's a B-plus show, wasn't it? And yeah. uh, they tried to recreate They tried to recreate the Bret Hart-Steve Austin uh, magic the following month. Didn't really work. Uh, but it's not, not a bad match. Uh, and then we move on. The pay-per-view just before the Raw we're going to watch was uh, the 11th of May, 1997, and a cold day in hell. Now, what do you think of these pay-per-view titles? Do you think they're quite good? Um, not really, no. no. Revenge of the Taker and a cold day in hell, you know? Yeah, they're, well, they're, they're normally based around whoever's heavyweight champion at that point. Yeah, so the results for that pay-per-view down, sorry? Uh, you had Hunter Hearst Helmsley beating Flash Funk. Flash, you are funky! Sorry. Is that anything to do with Barry Allen? <laughs> no. Uh, Mankind beating Rocky Maivia, The Rock. Uh, there was a gauntlet match. You had Ahmed Johnson beating Crush and Savio Vega by DQ, but then he lost to Farouk. And uh, if Ahmed had won, the nation of domination would never would have been forced to disband. Yeah. Uh, then you had Ken Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man, beating Vader. What's interesting about that match as well is that it was Ken Shamrock's debut in the WWF, and also he made Vader tap out to the ankle lock, which was on the very, well the first tap out in WWF history. Basically. Tap out before it was you know the old oh, are you going to quit? And then the, they would say yeah. yes. Yeah, sorry. And then the main event. And then uh, main event was WWE WWF Championship, and that was Undertaker, and he beat Stone Cold Steve Austin, which was the very first time the Undertaker and Steve Austin faced each other on pay-per-view. So we had a lot of interesting things going on, but it would only be because of history yeah. that it would become interesting, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Okay, so we just had a cold day in hell. We're moving on storyline-wise. So we move on to WCW. And the last time we watched WCW, Sting was causing havoc. Well, in May on Nitro, let's see if things have changed, Dan. So we go to May 12th. WCW Monday Nitro. Of course, we've caught up with Nitro recently because we saw on the uh, Hall of Fame special with DDP, we saw DDP versus Savage there, didn't we? One of the feuds that we've been talking about this year. And, of course, we saw Sting completely destroying the NWO after Uncensored as well. So we're a little bit more up-to-date than we were with the WF stuff, but we're going to check back in. It is May 12th, 
episode 87 of WCW Monday Nitro. So yes, the May 12th edition of WCW Monday Nitro was held in the Baltimore Arena in Baltimore, Maryland. And Dan, what are the results? In a dark match, Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated Psychosis. Another dark match, Glacier defeated Villano 4. Uh, WCW World Television title match, Ultimo Dragon defeated Juventud Guerrero. WCW United States heavyweight title match. Dean Malenko defeated Steve McMichael. Uh, in a singles match, Raph de- defeated Scotty Riggs. Hugh Morrison Conan defeated Alex Wright and Ice Train. Ice Train! This is only an hour edition of Mon- uh, WCW Monday Nitro. It's going up, of course, head-to-head with Raw, which was May 12th as well, which was held. Hey, look how well Eric Bischoff looks, are they? Leader of the NWO. Not a grey hair in sight. Oh, so as Bischoff comes out, what was Raw doing on that day, Dan? Uh, they had Ahmed Johnson defeating Hunter Hearst Helmsley in a King of the Ring quarterfinal round match. Scott Putsky defeated Leif Cassidy. Al Snow. The LOD defeated PG-13. WWF champion The Undertaker defeated Savio Vega with the late with the Nation of Domination in a non-title match. A bit of a hidden gem, RVD defeating Jeff Hardy. WWF tag team champions Owen Hart and Davey Boy Smith defeated the Headbangers, the New Blackjacks, and Doug Furness and Phil Lafon in an elimination match. Uh, we should say as well that Jerry the King Law was smack bang in the middle of the anti ECW promo. That's why RVD was there as well because he was Mister Monday Night. Uh, but on paper, what looked a better show? I'd say Raw. Yeah, I think I think Raw on paper. I think as uh, as one more times the WCW has recently, but this is in ring segments as well. We've seen, and now we see. I wonder what he's got to say, Dan. One thing I will say, noticing different from WWE is the amount of NWO shirts. I know, obviously, Raw hasn't got NWO, but just the amount of wrestling shirts in the crowd, you know? Yeah, yeah, there wasn't really much of a thing, but there's certainly a lot of the NWO shirts. Oh, and Eric Bischoff saying he's going to bring out Sting. And here he comes, and as he joined, the NWO. That's not Sting. That's not, it's got the I same... know Sting, and that's not Sting. Oh, it's got the same face paint, but I, I take your word for it, Dan. This has not been a man terrorising the NWO most of this <laughs> year. Terrorising. <laughs> terrorising most of this year. I don't know, do we? Eric Bischoff asking him. And Oh, oh. now that's <laughs> Sting. Well, the real Sting is here. And is he going to do with fate Sting and Eric Bischoff? <laughs> Bischoff says fate Sting, make sure he doesn't go through you. Well, the battle of Stings. Someone's going to get stung. Well, has Sting got his baseball bat? No, he hasn't. Ah. Ah. They're hidden up his sleeve. Well, the battle of the bats. Oh, Batman. Who are you backing in this one? Oh! <laughs> well, Sting got scared and they've both dropped their bats. Scorpion death dropped to the fake Sting. Well, fake Sting thought he was going to yeah, get hit over the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> But uh, the real Sting, the hero Sting, only caught him with the right hand. And Bischoff doesn't want any of it. <laughs> now Bischoff is hightailing it out there. What's that, my love? What's that, my love? Well, yeah, Bischoff was saying that he'll never measure up to Hollywood Hogan. I don't think this Sting cares. Do you, Dan? No, he's just a vigilante. My God, what an end to WW Monday Night. What do you think of that, Dan? 
It was a bit bullshit, to be honest. Why? But, I don't know, it just... Well, for the majority of 97, like I say, we didn't know where Sting's allegiances were too, and the NWA had had a fake Sting for so long, and this drew a line in the sand, which said, no more fake Sting, and Sting is after one thing, and that's to dismantle the NWO, one member at a time. And the pay-per-view the next the following Sunday was WWE Slamboree, and tell me some of the results, Dan. Um, well, Lord Stephen Regal defeated Ultimo Dragon uh, by submission for the WCW Television Championship. Medusa defeated Luna Vachon. Rey Mysterio Jr. defeated Yuji Yasuroka. Glacier defeated Mortis with James Vandenberg by disqualification. Dean Malenko defeated Jeff Jarrett for the uh, United States Championship. Ming defeated Chris Benoit with Woman in a death match. Moving on. Steiner Scott defeated Conan and Humorous in a tag team match. Uh, Steve McMichael defeated Reggie White in a singles match. Yeah, both. I mean, Steve McMichael's a former American football player. Reggie White thought he was, and they fought. They put them in the match. And speaking of ex-American footballers, Kevin Green uh, teamed up with Ric Flair and Roddy Piper in the main event to go against the NWO. And they actually beat the NWO. But it was Kevin Nash, Scott Hall and Six. So Six was the full guy there. Obviously, yeah. So yeah, the May 26th, 1997 edition of Raw is Raw. Featured a couple of matches. Dan, do you want to run through them quickly? You had the LOD, Animal and Hawk. They defeated Brian Pillman and Jim Neidhart by DQ. D'Lo Brown with Crush, Farouk and Savio Vega defeated Bob Holly. Well, obviously the numbers was on his side. Uh, Jerry the King Lawler defeated Goldust with Marlena in King of the Ring first round match. Rocky Marvia defeated Flash Funk. Ahmed Johnson defeated Vader. Hunter Hearst Helmsley plants Rockabilly with pedigree. To end the match, but I think it's help from China. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I think there wasn't a match of hunters that didn't. See, obviously, Honky Tonk's still trying to get a, a rise out of Rockabilly, but we see The Undertaker. <laughs> All right, so we've just seen The Undertaker. What did Paul Bearer say earlier, Dan? He said, Undertaker! No, he said, basically, Undertaker, the time is ticking, and he's going to re- a secret of The Undertaker's if he doesn't... If he doesn't join his side, basically. Yeah, yeah. If, he, if he doesn't join... Paul Bearer's side, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Paul Bearer's been trying to be a thorn in the side of the Undertaker ever since his betrayal. And now it's the Undertaker's WF champion he wants to be. So he's got a secret, yeah, that could break and shake the very foundations to the ground. No mortal would be able to, would be able to do it. No. no warrior and no giant would be able to do it. But Paul Bearer has the words that could. Exactly. The Undertaker said, Paul, you do what you have to do. And we all know what that announcement is, but this is what we had during, you know, the build-up in 1997. And also, I should say, Bret Hart got his knee injured by Steve Austin. And hell, he's been out for a little while. But the Hart Foundation, as you see, is kind of in full force here, isn't it? And they will be in action next. Yes, indeed. And uh, they're carrying all the gold. Sable was just out here promoting the King of the Ring inflatable chair, which you can get for uh, $60 plus $11 delivery. Fucking hell. That's expensive back then. <laughs> it's expected now. We see uh, JR and Vince McDowell on commentary. I think the best combination of commentators. Oh, <laughs> brilliant, yeah. Yeah. You know, two legends, really. Good old sick. JR. Uh, Vince, Vince McDowell, McDowell, honestly. But we can see through um, looking at results just back, 
the WWF kind of relied that your kind of big hitters in Bret Hart, Austin, Untaker, Shawn Michaels. You know, you had like the Nation feud going on. You had Legion of Doom fighting him and Ahmed Johnson. This is very interesting, this interview right now. Oh, is that where he attacks Jim Ross? Yeah. This yeah. is on one of the 100 greatest Raw moments. Yeah, it talk about great moments on Raw. And Mick Foley being interviewed by uh, Jim Ross. He didn't know how to do it. You know, he didn't know if he wanted to do out of character or in character. So Mick Foley decided just to do the mankind character, but talk about his real experiences. And I think that's what brought out, you know, uh, realism to it. There is no simple explanation for why a man becomes deranged. From childhood, Mickey Foley's affection for pain made him different. Despite coming from a loving and caring household, he was not at home. Mickey Foley was searching for a place to belong. It was 1983, and upstate New York with its endless rolling fields might be a nice place for a lot of boys, but not when Jimmy Snooker and Don Morocco were in a cage in October in Madison Square Garden. That's where I wanted to be! I didn't want to ride horses along a field. I didn't want to fish for trout in a stream. I wanted to be where the blood and guts were, Jimmy. So I put out my thumb, Jimmy, and it took 16 or 17 hours, but I made my way to the garden. It took just about all the money I had in the world, but I got a front row seat, and I saw the move that would change my life. When Jimmy Snooker came off the top of the cage, and I saw people stand up. And I saw people cheer, and I know I wasn't the only person whose life was changed in that arena. And I realized, Jimmy, that I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted to hear people cheer for me because of some act of bravery that I committed. I wanted to hear, see people's emotions. I wanted to see children cry out of, out of love for me and the things I could do inside a ring. That's my first time in Madison Square Garden, and my parents weren't there. I did it just like I've done just about everything else in my life, all by myself. That's when Mickey Foley developed an alter ego, a superstar with the athleticism of Jimmy Snuka, and the sex appeal he so desperately wanted in high school. I made a movie when I was 18 about myself, maybe as a type of escape, where I was a wrestler. And it's strange, the first time I ever met Shawn Michaels, you know him? Oh yeah, very well. He looked at my scarred and battered body. He didn't know me, but he knew the legend of who I was before. And he said, is this the way you always envisioned yourself? Looking somewhat down on me. And I said, no, you know, the strange thing is I always imagine myself being you. And he said, you mean the champ? I said, no, I mean, the girls, jewelry, the tattoos, the love. So in my movie, I was not Mick Foley. I sure as hell wasn't mankind. I was dude love. We are gonna tear this rotten apple right down to its stinking New York core. And while we're here, we're here for only one reason. One reason only, fame. Honor, fortune, glory, to destruct, to destroy, and to take that WWF championship belt, that World Wrestling Federation belt. And during the course of the movie, dating back to my experience in Madison Square Garden, I decided I was going to do something heroic. I was going to do something that made people cheer for me. 
So I ascended up onto my friend's roof, and I dove off. Time. More of us be 50, 60, 70 feet in the air. Dude Love! Dude gave Mick Foley his first break. It became an underground hit and somehow wound up in the hands of wrestling great Dominic Danucci. Danucci admired Mick's guts more than his skill and took him under his wing every weekend. For the next two years, Mick traveled 800 miles round trip, eating and sleeping in the back seat of his 79 Ford Fairmont, still hoping to realize his dream. I knew I wasn't ready to be dude love yet. Never wanted to be Cactus Jack. I figured here is a horrible name for a horrible wrestler. And by golly, as soon as I get the, the ability then I'll get that heart-shaped tattoo on my chest. I'll put those earrings in, and I'm going to get the girls. And it never really worked out the way it did it, Jimmy. Not quite. I guess nature didn't cooperate with me. Cactus Jack was supposed to be around for three months. He stayed for 11 years. Next week, Mickey Foley becomes Cactus Jack. 11 years in a sadistic subculture of nails, barbed wire, and bombs. A lost soul still searching for a place to belong. And I walked out the first time I saw barbed wire strung up in place of ring ropes. And I said, I'm finally home. Mrs. Foley's little boy is finally home. Apparently, Dan, Vincent Mann was uh, backstage watching these, and that point in time he realised maybe we can do something with mankind. Maybe he can actually be a yeah. star, you know? He's going to need a bit of help here. <laughs> so how much of uh, WF in 1997 have you actually watched? Not really watched too much. It was, I think this was more based around the entertainment side of things as opposed to the wrestling side of things. You know, it wasn't a very finesse kind of wrestling you know you obviously had the few odd standout matches but compared to later dates like you know in late 2000s yeah you know, and, well and like you're saying as well yeah the in-ring product i mean this is why wsw was on top throughout the whole of 1997 not once did you know wf get ahead it's because if you go over to nitro you had the characters like your Hogan's, your Macho Man's, but then you had the people like Jericho, Malenko, and the Cruiserweights delivering great matches for your entertainment. Uh, and I think that's what, as we look towards, I think we're going to, because we're going to focus more on the actual era in the next, you know, upcoming years, you know, two or three years. And we're going to see that kind of talent going towards the WF, yeah. and like you say, getting everything right. Because at the moment, it's character-driven, isn't it? It's about the Undertaker, yeah. it's about the Canadian hero, Bret Hart, the toy boy, Shawn Michaels, you know. So, don't get me wrong, you know, they still have some great wrestlers there, like Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Owen Hart. Yeah. But, you know, with like the likes of Mick Foley, no disrespect to him, he was, he was great at what he'd done, but he was just famed for being a big bumper. Yes, yeah, exactly. And taking a lot of beatings, you know, and just... Oh, and that's you know, what kind of... Mankind saying in this uh, interview as well. You know, he wants he wanted to be Shawn Michaels, but he never he wanted to be Dude Love. Yeah, never had and, that uh, look. Yeah, and this is the first time we've seen Dude Love in the WF as well. Looking back on it, 
But I, I think you're right. I think the main event matches on WF in nineteen ninety seven were better. But I think the the undercard and everything else on WCW was king. Backyard wrestling. He goes on top of a shed and he yeah. jumps off on someone. Here we go. This is the famous clip of Foley on the top of the house. Please do not try us at home. Oh, shit. But I, I tell you something, though, like, watching this. A lot has changed in the WWE since then. But if they did this kind of package deal for a Ty Dillinger or a, a you know, mid-card wrestler and got some story about him, you know, or Bray Wyatt, you imagine how popular or, you know, how, how good that wrestler could become. Yeah. There, there's no care anymore in a character, is there? No. You know? They change it about too much that they don't care about characters. But, like, you know... With this, he was committed to the Mankind character. Look, you know, you can see his ball patches rip yeah. out of his hair. And he starts punching himself in the face in a minute. And it's just like, you know, it is the commitment to the character. But, you know, you can't take away from the fact that the other wrestlers, I think they trounce him in the ring. Yeah. I tell you what, I, I don't normally mention stuff not on the network. But I did buy this King of the Death match DVD, Funk and Foley, in it. Yeah. Uh, and I tell you something, after about four or five matches, because it's like King of the Ring, basically, of hardcore, you just you get used to it. And you see people running by the way, yeah, all right. Yeah, all right, yeah, you got nails with you. <clears throat> In the final, they decide to add C4 explosion, because maybe it wasn't enough there. You know? Did I see him attack him then? So, yeah, three or four part of continues of Mankind, but it, Raw was delivering some good bits, weren't they? You know, let's just be fair to him. Yeah, yeah, character-wise, they was flawless. Yeah. And look how excited Vince McMahon gets when Shawn Michaels comes out. <laughs> well, Shawn Michaels is back. And we've got to ask ourselves, Dan, will there be ring rust? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> no. no. He won't have a rusty ring. No, he's one of the greatest performers in wrestling at this time. He's got his smile back. This, if we see Austin coming out, you would say Michaels got a bigger pop at this point yeah. in time. Oh, yeah. But I think the rivalry with Vince McMahon kind of elevated Austin as much as it did WWF. Yeah. But if you look at Austin right here, right now, like as we look at him with the vest on, there is no difference to that Austin. That was oh, there. no. No, yeah. he's got exactly the same attitude. He's yeah. like, you know, that just... But this is what... Got, we're talking about development of character and getting behind someone and slowly building them up as well. Yeah. Won the King of the Ring last year, which you can go back and listen to on the podcast. You know, match against Bret Hart, which was his biggest match to date then. The WrestleMania thing and now building through here... He's involved in all the right places. He's not just being used to, to be beaten, is he, you know? No, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, going against the deceased tag team. Not foundation. But look at him. Like I said, all the gold. Intercontinental champion, European champion, tag team champions. And that's just Owen Hart and Bulldog. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you've got, obviously, Owen's two slammies yes. as well. Which but he was obviously very proud of. He, well, he loved his slammies, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, Bret Hart had reconciled the family. So the Heart Foundation worked as one. And of course, Dan, last year, we watched a cracking main event, didn't we, from Canadian Stampede as well, versus Austin, his team Austin. Certainly can't take away the talent that the Hart family had. And if they was, if they had a debuted like nowadays, they would oh, have been God, yeah. such a big impact. Both men would be WWE champions as well. And that's not an exaggeration. It was just unlucky, I suppose, at this point in time. Anyway, Austin and Michaels have gone out to meet Owen and Bulldog, and this match already started. So at this moment in time, only HBK had been champion. Austin yep. hadn't yet, and the, obviously the other two wouldn't become champion. Yeah, Mike Michaels is there, the main eventer, and uh, you say Bret Hart as well out there, but every other person involved. <laughs> Austin, his offense is just 
Just nasty as it hits Bulldog in the face. Scoop slam on Owen Hart, goes up top. I think of the history that happened Big elbow. Austin and Owen as well as 97 continues. I wonder what kind of team Austin and Michaels make that. Do you think it's a good team? Uh, well, you know, you've, we've seen some uh, a bit of friction between the two beforehand, but both being great performers in ring, they should make quite a good team. Is, you know, Michael's got the uh, the speed, obviously, and Austin just nasty. You know, it'd be good to probably get a hot tag in. Both make take a lot but of But you don't see as much of this no more, do you? You don't see like them putting two <laughs> main eventers together to go for the tag team titles and, you know, go on to win them. Do you like that kind of thing, though? <clears throat> Would I, you want to see that kind of thing? I do like it once in a while. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd like to see John Cena teaming up with... Another high to mid card talent like you know Seth Rollins or something, oh, you know, yeah, just for yeah. example, to win tag team championships. Well, we asked earlier if Michael's got any ring rust, and I think he's just answered the question there. Dodging a leapfrog from Bulldog and then hitting the Hurricane Runner, Bulldog reverses the Irish Whip, but Michael's so quick, Dan. Oh yeah, Bulldog catches a foot, but Michael's hits him with a step up in Seguri. Oh, goes for the cover, but only gets a two count. Two. But again, Bulldog and Owen Hart, you know, you had. Bulldog, the powerhouse, and you had Owen Hart, who's a brilliant in-ring technician. Yeah, like, they were great tag test teams that kind of get forgotten about. Because, you know, even with the Bulldogs, you know, but David Boy had that ability, didn't he? He made two yeah. great teams. And you see how successful they were, and they were on top of uh, WWF in 1997. You know, they were the top heels, the Hart Foundation yeah. basically ran the show. But they didn't obviously pass that success down because David Hart, Smith Jr., Third, didn't really do I, too well. And... I think that's a missed opportunity. I think Tyson, yeah. you look at talent of Tyson Kidd and uh, David Hart Smith, I think that tag team, if they had a better tag team division at the time, yeah. like you say, if they debuted a couple of years later in NXT with the Revival and American Alpha and people like this, and Bulldog and Owen trying to get control of this match, and as I say that, I think they may have. See, Owen Hart as well, I think he paved the way for a lot of balls as well, you know, like the, the really well working hills. Yeah. There's nothing likeable about you, you know what I mean? Even, oh, yeah. Like, you're not a cool heel being called Nugget, are you? And that's what, no. he want, that's what he wanted. And he's got, like, you know, slammy winners on his trunks. And, yeah, I wasn't too keen on his caution. Uh, yeah, that was a bit naff when he joined the nation. But, uh, like I say, he's still a great performer and he's in control of this match right now. He's got the sleeper hold on Austin. What do you reckon would have gone on, what Owen would have gone on to, like, if, you know, if he hadn't have had that tragic accident? Uh, it is difficult to say but I think if it had stuck around I don't know I think he would have had one last hurrah you know what I mean like yeah. Owen Hart trying to go for the uh, the title before he retires or something like this I think the story was that uh, Brett was waiting for his contract to run down anyway and so was Owen and they might have just you know both retired because Owen was a family man you know he put yeah. his uh, he put his kids first even though you know he loved the business but your stories you hear about Owen being such a nice guy and looking after his family. Because Shawn Michaels just got to tag in. Well, Bulldog come in and Austin managed to get a tag to Michaels. And Shawn Michaels again, you know, taking out Bulldog, nipping up. Certainly not showing any ring rust whatsoever. And uh, he's back to his brilliant best. Yeah, and Bulldog reversing Michaels now picks him up. Gorilla Press. Oh, <laughs> but the power of Bulldog. And he just drops Michaels on the top rope and crutches him and... That looked very painful. There uh, now, Bulldog a little nip up himself, and near those King of the Ring inflatable chairs, which are on sale for sixty dollars, six dollars plus eleven ninety nine postage and packaging. And Owen picks Michaels up. Oh, oh, he's documented lower back injuries. 
and he sends uh, Owen sends Michaels into the ring post. Well, that lower back would cause Michaels all sorts of trouble later on in his career. Maybe it started just then. A lot of poke to the eyes. It's like the fifth poke to the eye I've seen. And referee Al Hebner's just letting him go. Yeah. Oh, and the move that doesn't work. Slingshot into the corner. Michaels hits his head on the top turnbuckle. Oh, Bulldog. Can't keep him down. Kick out. Ah. Bulldog get a little frustrated. Oh. And Michaels with his classic uh, turnbuckle bounce. Flipping upside down. And now he's on the shoulder of Bulldog running power slam. This could be it. That's it. One, two. Oh, but Austin comes in to save the day and Owen Hart gives Austin a <laughs> kick to the ribs and uh, Austin obviously didn't like that one bit. No, Austin. <laughs> but now with Austin distracted, Owen Hart goes and takes out Michaels and was there not a tag? No, I don't think there was. And uh, Austin called her Hebner number one. Owen's in. Oh, not going to take Michaels down that easy. We saw Shawn Michaels beating Psycho Sid for the left title in January at the Royal Rumble. Can he become tag team champion tonight with Steve Austin? Oh, Michaels trying to get up. Oh, that is lovely by Owen Hart. Belly to belly overhead release suplex there from Owen Hart. One of the early su- suplex machines. He is. And he's one of the hype, one of the first high flyers as well in the WWF. Austin's coming to stop the pin again on Michaels. And now, like I say, referee distracted. British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Perfect tag team there. Yeah, most definitely. Cutting the ring off, keeping Michaels in the corner. Beating him down, quick tags, keeping each man fresh. Oh, sunset flip by Michaels, rolls up Bulldog. Oh, but Owen's distracting the referee, so he can't get the pin. One, two, but he had him down for like five seconds. A Bulldog out and powers Michaels down with a big clothesline. Oh, just like that, and now the leg drop. Can't get him down, kick out. Ah. And now Bulldog getting in between Michaels in his corner. Great strategy there. Was you a fan of the tassely boots? Yeah, I'm a fan of Bulldog. Just period. Bulldog on his period. Yeah. Well, no, what's what's great about it as well is uh, we talk about British Bulldog. Next week on the podcast, we are going to watch probably the greatest British Bulldog match of all time as we watch. About 1992, Dan. 25 years on, eh? Unbelievable. Gosh. Uh, 20, feel old. 25 years. But anyway, we're focusing on tonight, focusing on today's show, and Owen Hart has put Michaels on top, and now he's going to do, try to suplex him. Oh, but Michaels hanging on for dear life. Couple of big rights and lefts, shoves Owen Hart off the rope. And now what's Michaels going to do? Oh, oh big cross body. Oh, but Hart managing to kick out. Uh, oh, oh, and that is fantastic. In the... What was that? Like a calf kick spinning by Spinning heel kick, yeah. Spinning calf kick. Spinning kick there by Owen Hart of Michaels. I want to see that woman in the green celebrate at some point. She's not moved throughout the whole match. I want to see something from her. Oh! Owen Hart going for well, double foot stomp to Michaels in the corner. Michaels manages to move out of the way. And Owen Hart gets nothing but the middle turnbuckle. And now can Michaels finally get the tag? Oh, Hart gets a tag to Bulldog. And uh, <laughs> Michaels... Manages to get a tag to Austin. And Austin comes in on fire, hitting everything that's moving. One for Hart, one for Bulldog. And he's just taking turns, beating each man down. Throws Bulldog into the corner and he's stomping the mud hole, James. And he's walking it dry. Austin's going to go for the stunner. No, Owen Hart blocks it with a kick. Right, the kick to the midsection. But Michael's in there now, knocking Owen Hart down. Oh! Super kick to the Bulldog. Owen didn't see it. One, two... Free. Oh, yeah, she cheered. 
Oh, no. But the Hart family come down and they start beating on Michaels and Austin. Or just Michaels. Well, the crowd's gone crazy. And Austin now, he's got his belt and he works himself, Dan. He doesn't need to help Sean. Shut up, JR. I just said that. And now look at this beatdown. Pillman and Nineheart. So, oh, God damn it, Austin, help him. And Austin now. <laughs> runs towards Brett, takes him out. <laughs> well, Brett was unattended. <laughs> now Austin pissed on fire. Not a bad knee, Austin. I suppose that's one way to stop the Michaels attack. <laughs> by getting him to come to you. Well, in Hart and the rest of the Hart Foundation now, yeah, punching Austin away. But the damage has been done. Oh, Mark's been taken out, but what a chaotic end to Monday Night Raw. That was certainly exciting. <laughs> we have new tag team champions, and Bret Hart might have seriously re-injured that knee. I mean, we're talking about Raw now, but what was WCW doing on this very day, Dan? Uh, well, they had a dark match on Nitro, and it was uh, Chris Benoit, and he defeated Joey Mags. Um, there was a six-man tag team match, and that was Hector Guerrero, Juventud Guerrero, Super Calo, and Fragilistic. No, just Super Callow. And they defeated uh, Cyclop, yep. Damien and La Parker. There was a singles match and Psychosis defeated Alec Wright. Alex Wright. Yeah, the German wonder kid. Another singles match with Mark Starr. Uh, you had Conan, K-Dog, defeating Villano 4. Then you had Mashiro, Masashiro, Chono going against the Great Muta. And that went to a no contest. Um, you had the Barbarian, and he defeated Jim Powers. Um, a three-on-one handicap, the Giant, which is the big show, and he defeated Jerry Flynn, Johnny Swinger, and Rick Fuller. And then the main event, which was Harlem Heat, and they defeated Jeff Jarrett and Steve McMichael. So based off the two results of the two shows, I mean, that was from Nashville, uh, Tennessee, Nitro was. What was a better show on paper? Monday Nitro. Because, you know, there was just seemed like a lot more fun. Yeah, I think for me, I've got to go raw on that one just because I think the main event, even though both tag team titles are on the line in either show, I think the WF just pipped it. On WCW, the monster was the giant, the big show. And, uh, you know, there was a three-on-one handicap and the giant won it. You know, and that is how you portray a monster. It is the 26th. Of May. Now we've already ran through the card of each show. May 19th, Sting dropped Bischoff. So the following week, Hogan was incensed. But we started the night with Hogan vowing to get his hands on Sting. We're going to watch the first match of this Nitro. Episode of Nitro, episode 89. And like I said, Hogan vowed at the start of the night that he's going to put his hands on Sting by the time the night ends. But Dan, I have a list in my hands. Have I just made the list? No, 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 you haven't made a list, but this list is very special because it holds what is rated by Pro Wrestling Illustrated as the greatest matches in 1997. Now, as you can see, I've highlighted a couple of matches here. These are a couple of matches that we've seen. Monday Night Raw match we saw with Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin versus Dave Boy and uh, Owen Hart, Dan. It scored a 4.25 out of 5. Now, there is a couple of 5-plus matches on here. Uh, WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart vs. Steve Austin that we have watched, which is a five-star rated match, isn't it, you know? Of course. And also there's a couple coming up in October. Halloween Havoc 97 that has one. Rey Mysterio vs. Eddie Guerrero, which we will watch. And then I'm going to make a plea to re-watch uh, the 15 Shawn Michaels 
and The Untaker as well at Bad Blood 97. But interesting on this list as well, on Monday Nitro, May 26th, this match here has got a four-star rating, which we're going to watch to kick off the show. And that match is Super Calo, Hector Garza and Juventud Guerrera versus Simeon and La Parker. Yeah. So, so we... it's a bit of a Lucha Libre-style match-up. It is, and this is something that the WWF didn't have at the time. This was a difference in the kind of undercard that we're going to see. We've watched a few big moments from Nitro and Raw, and this is just kind of the matches that Nitro were putting out. Raw was going for the likes of Jim Neidhart, the Legion of Doom, the Blackjacks and Vader. Like, you know, they had a, a light heavyweight match, Takamishinoku versus Tajiri. Yeah. But, and you know, it wasn't as focused on the... The the reason why the light heavyweights came into the WWF as well is because of the success of the cruiserweight division, you know. And as we've seen, the amount of wrestlers that you can list off, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Rey Mysterio, Ultimo Dragon, all involved in this division. These were six men uh, as well who could also go in, in the rings. Also, you had the excitement of like the main event angle. You know, we've seen Hogan coming out here, leader of the NWO, wanting Sting. We've seen Sting coming down from the rafters and just beating the piss out of most people. See, that's they? again where they trumped Raw because... Yeah. Where they was able to get someone down from the rafters with relative ease. <laughs> oh, yeah, WWE I know struggled. Yeah, right. Anyway, we're going to start this match off. And it is Hector Garza's debut here on Monday Nitro. Yeah. So, yeah, Juventud, Super Calo, and of course Hector Garza. Fragilistic. But this is for Juventud became unmasked. So we can see him. He was in... quite an attractive young man under his mind. Not attractive young man. Not as attractive as Rey Mysterio. No, but, and here comes <laughs> Cyclops. And of course, Midian look alike. You can see what I mean by that, can't you? And of course, La Parker. He looks like a skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he's there. Would La Parker cause a stir in Monday Night Show as we move along this timeline, Dan? So yeah, we're going to enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy this match. Like I say, this is a four star match of course we're going to make our own decisions with matches if there's certain things we like that hasn't been ranked like that we don't care we're going to put them up there aren't we Dan you know I like puppies so we go we start off with Juventud and La Parker movie starts with a slap La Parker backs him off into the corner this oh. is going to be a bit of high flying quick moving match yeah. quick as a hiccup dodging La Parker yeah. there beautiful hurricane runner but La Parker stays on his feet lovely spinning heel kick there by Juve and this is how you start off Monday Nitro. And Juventud, oh, getting thrown to the apron by La Parker. Right where the camera is. Cross-body attempt, caught by La Parker. And now look at La Parker. Look, struck with Juvier in hand. And Ric Flair struck. <laughs> Plants him on top of the opposite ring post. But Juve fights him off. Oh, Hurricane Runner from the top and sends La Parker out of the ring. Well, that is lovely by Juventud. And he's going to go beat him. No, he's not. La Parker gets out of harm's way. And the wafer thin mats are, of course, sponsored by Bam Bam Bigelow. Yeah, Cyclop and Super Calo in there now. I think, yeah, Cyclop we kind of know because the yeah, guy with one eye. With Super Calo, to his credit, doesn't quite like him in WCW. So he gets caught with a clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a good pay-per-view match against Ray Mysterio, but then again, Mysterio had good pay-per-view matches with, well, everybody, didn't he? Lovely head-scissors takedown there. Looks to go flying. Oh, through the second <laughs> rope. And lands Shit. on a crowd member. Oh, my God. Gets helped back inside by Juventud Guerrero. He nearly killed that nine-year-old. It's like the police said to Dan. Oh, my word. 
Oh my. And they made sure they got him in, and oh, and the, the, now the legal men are uh, Damien and Hector Garza, because this is the Mexican style of when you go outside underneath the ring, it basically constitutes a tag in, plus the normal type of tag teams. And Garza over the top on the apron again. Damien, they're giving as good as he's getting. Oh, <laughs> Tilterwell backbreaker though, and uh, Damien's in trouble. Oh, he's <laughs> hit with a drop kick nearly. Oh, no, he's going to go... Oh, no, he wasn't going to go flying over the top. He's going to baseball slide him into the barricade, and that goes into the crowd. Oh, here we go. I say moonsault. Oh, beautifully hit there. Yeah. <laughs> Fair play, Gaza. Uh, Hoovy's getting his own man up. And now it's the Parker and Super Calo. Oh. Well, the Calo's in the wrong part of town, and all three members of his team come in. Oh, double trip, <laughs> double elbow drop, and then a running punt to the head by Le Parker. Oh, but Hoovy's in. Oh, my word. Gets taken out by Cyclop. And now it's, why is the referee not doing anything about it? It's three on one assault. Well, he's probably not sure of what the Mexican rules are. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's allowed. Yeah. Yes, allowed, man. Uh, Cyclop picks up Hoovy to get kicked in the face by Le Parker. Hoovy's out, Garza's in, but this is a drop kick on Damien. Now Garza's out. <laughs> 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 now Super Callow yeah then. Super Callow oh my word he's coming Super Callow goes ballistic oh, oh it's a kick to the back by Le Parker oh and then taken out by Damien <clears throat> and he rolls to the outside oh Hector Garza beautiful flying clothesline in sends Damien to the outside <laughs> and then Cyclops in grabs Garza's leg oh, oh. now he's going to go flying here we go here comes Cyclops Oh, no, he gets pulled out the other side by Super Calo. Oh, now... And now UV and Guerrero are in. UV and La Parker oh, now. UV and La Parker, sorry, yeah. And UV La Parker trying to pass that. We're going to go for the German. Oh! But Juventude lands on his feet. La Parker goes for a splash, but he misses. <laughs> and then Damien inadvertently takes out his partner. It seems like they've all swapped corners. Here we go. Oh! And Hoover, the park throws him on Hoover. Fucking hell! And Hoover with a <laughs> Hurricane Rana takes down Damien, and the oh. Parker going for a kick to the head of Hoover, but he gets an arm drag takedown off the edge of the ring apron, and Hoover's signalling that he's going to go up top. Oh my god, this is crazy! The park is there. <laughs> What's Whatever the Hurricane attempt just landed, knocked the Parker out. Now Super Calo drop kicking Damien. <laughs> Fucking hell, a suicide dive over the top. Oh my god, they're flying from everywhere. Uh, Cyclop takes them out and they're all down. Hector Garz is getting up. Here he comes. <laughs> oh, and a corkscrew takes down everyone. And Hector Garz has rolled back into the ring. <laughs> Cyclops managing to get up on the apron. Oh, shoulders Hector Garza. Now off the top. Oh, oh goes for a Hurricane Rana, but gets caught in a powerbomb. Standing moonsault. Free. Hell. And, <laughs> <laughs> and brief. Yeah. And Super Calo, Hector to Guerrero with the victory. Oh, my God. I mean, that is what the Cruiserweights are all about. And this is what Nitro is offering every week, Dan. What did you think of the match? Well, I certainly wouldn't have turned over to Raw. <laughs> I mean, I got to say, like that's probably the well. I, I don't think, arguably, that is the best match we've seen on this podcast so far, isn't it? You know, oh, most definitely, yeah. 
I mean, move for move, each of the six man had a chance to shine. And I mean, uh, Super Callow's fucking uh, <laughs> suicide dive in the front row was something to behold. And, and that's what I'm saying. This it is... wouldn't look out of place nowadays. No, I would say it would be a better match. Uh, then, my, well, like two, if you compare the cruiserweights here to 205, I think the cruiserweights on 205 need, have got little thing to learn, haven't they? You've got stuff to learn. Oh, yeah, but as Orton says, you don't need to do big dives, though. Well, you don't need to big, do big dives, but still, it's, it's interesting. So, uh, after all the action we had on Nitro, we move on to the main event. And like we say, with the signs, we talk about it on Nitro, we see them, and a couple of NWO t-shirts dotted around. But the two men behind the NWO, Bischoff and Hogan, are in the ring. The NWO lot have Sting in the back and Sting's going to come out and get the whipping he deserves. Yes, Hogan is laying it all the line. So confident, isn't he? And Bischoff loves every bit of Hogan. I'm surprised he's not down on his knees sucking Hogan's cock. The NWO belt is on the line right now and the word that I heard is the brothers in the NWO have that rat Sting cornered so come on out, my friend, and take the whipping you so deserve. Wait a minute. The, the, the belt is on the line. Verbal contract binding, I would think. How He's, much time do we have? I don't, I don't know. Well, you know, they're doing this. Hollywood. But you know why they're doing this. I hate to disappoint you. You know that. And so far, I never have. But unfortunately, all of these people here, look at these guys here, man. They love you. I love you. All of you do. Unfortunately, Sting isn't going to be here. Because if he were, and he knows it, we would make him worship the ground you spit on. You know, Sting wants to be like me. Sting wants to have arms like me. But Sting, no matter how hard you try, there's only one Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I thought Bischoff looked under the ring. Which Sting is it? You want some of this? There he is. Come on up. Hell, I take you on. There he is again. Sting. Stay down on your knees, you punk. Get down on your knees. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Tell the truth, Stinger. You wish he looked under that. That ring. you were half the man. That Hollywood is. Yes or no? That is I not. Knew it. That is not Sting. No. For who's he? Who's he trying to fool here? Hulk Hogan at his Hollywood. Back. Make him do it, man. Make him do it. Make him worship the ground you spit on. Do it. Face first. Worship. The ground that this great man spits on. This is horrible. This is absolutely horrible. Oh, Tony, look at this. Look at this. You're a coward. 
thing is here. What a coward. Goodbye, Eric Bischoff. Get him. Get Hogan. Get Hogan. Yes. The thunder you hear is about to be your rear end. Hogan's beginning to smell funny. talking there but it looks like the uh <laughs> baseball bat has come out of the ring looks like the ring's giving birth to something and i can see yeah i can see the arm is that it's a head be sting he's coming from the depths of hell dan and eric bischoff has finally noticed and he's pointing at hogan but we've seen so many fake stings dan we're not sure we are not sure whatsoever well, Bishop's saying, get down on your knees. Oh, no, it can't be the real Sting, Dan. The real Sting wouldn't get on his knees for Hogan. Eric Bischoff. Eddie Bischoff, yes. Well, Tony's telling us it's not Sting. I believe Shivani. I don't. I think that is the real Sting. <laughs> he try- wishes he was half the man Hogan is. They're trying to make a fool out of us. It's a mask. Oh, don't. Don't do it. Don't worship that Sting. Well, Hogan just spit on the canvas. Well, the rubbish coming into the ring. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Who's that flying down from the rafters? I think that might be the real sting. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Scorpion death dropped a bish off. Hogan. (laughs) I think he's felt his presence now. He's behind you, Hogan. Sting is here. Listen to the reaction. Oh, no. Oh, and Hogan gets tripped over by the fake Sting. Oh. And a battle of the bats then, and the real Sting won that one. Oh. oh Scorpion death dropped to the fake Sting. Uh, Hogan said he's going to get his hands on the Sting. He doesn't want any of it. He doesn't want any of Sting now. And, oh, look who it is. Entire NWO coming out here. Are they men enough to face Sting alone? Well, Sting is not backing down. Bischoff's in there. <laughs> Hogan wants to get his belt back as well. Hall, Nash, Six, all the ship members. Are the NWO now going to come and try and beat down Sting? They said they could. Is Hogan going to jump? Is he feeling froggy? He said he's the most dominant male in the WCW professional wrestling, but Sting is standing his ground. It's like the NWO. I mean, what is it? Numbers? It's going to be 10 and 0. Oh! Oh, and Sting, he's hooked himself back up. (laughs) And he's going back to his place in the rafters. Well, he sent his message to the NWO. Dan, what do you think of that? Well, you know, it's uh, certainly Sting looking good and being wise enough to get out of there and not take a beating from the New World Order. Yeah, and I think it shows as well because, like you say, WWE did win the war, but there was a reason why Nitro was better than Raw, you know, and it's because of the matches we saw at the beginning, isn't it, and the kind of main event angles. And up next, Dan, we've got Paul Bearer. The fun is not over. Super Psycho Rewind. So we've seen the rewind before Paul Bearer comes out here. What did you think of the match? I thought it was a very good match. You know, again, it's good to see two main eventers and uh, winning tag team gold. Yeah, we'll see what happens with them. 
as we go along and Steve Austin is backstage breathing heavily okay so yeah McMahon trying to get a couple of words with Austin but what happened Dan? Uh, they just come face to face and started just shouting at each other saying it takes two to become a tag team but Austin's saying he'd done it all on his own yeah sure Michael showed up and now we see Paul Bearer who was burnt by the Undertaker Revenge of the Taker He's not fully recovered yet, but at least it doesn't make him look as stupid, eh? He doesn't look like an idiot, no. <laughs> no. But it's time, Dan. It's time, Undertaker! <laughs> wonder what his big revelation's going to be. I don't know, Dan. It could be anything, you know? Maybe he's got a, a legitimate half-caste son. We just don't know. He was the pool bearer. He's got a really small mouth, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. So the Undertaker... Basically dropped to one knee and said, yes, I will work for you again. Unbelievable stuff there. Right, so we did have a pay-per-view, Dan, didn't we? In between this and our next Raw moment. Uh, and that was, of course, that was the king of the ring for the Providence Civic Centre in Providence, Rhode Island on the 8th of June. And what were the results, Dan? Um, well, the first semi-final, you had Hunter Hurst Helmsley beating Ahmed Johnson. And the second semi-final, Mankind beat Jerry Lawler. So the final would be, obviously, Triple H versus Mankind. You had Goldust beating Crush. You had Owen Hart, Jim Neidhart and Davy Boy Smith. They beat the Road Warriors and Sid. Final of the King of the Ring tournament. And Triple H beat Mankind to win the tournament. Um, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels and they fought to a no contest. Yeah, so the first time ever two tag team champions would face each other at, at a WWE pay-per-view. And you had WWE champion Undertaker and he beat Farouk. Yeah, and Paul Bearer yeah, was in Undertaker's corner in that match. And as we speak of that, as we speak about that, we move on. And it is the June 30th Raw uh, for Des Moines, Iowa, and... You had Ken Shamrock defeating Hunter Hearst Helmsley. You had The Nation, which was D'Lo, Brown, and Farouk. Farouk beating LOD. Uh, you had Brian Christopher beating Scott Putsky. Putsky. You had Block Brian Pillman beating Mankind. And you had Owen, and Owen Hart and Bulldog beating the Headbangers. And finally, you had Austin beating Jim Neidhart. Yeah, and then we move on to this shocking... Revelation. Let's listen to what Paul Bearer has to say. Well, we're going to have to go back a few years, Mr. McMahon. About 20 years to be exact. We're talking about a little funeral home sitting up on a hill, beautiful oak trees all around. And a wonderful, wonderful family-owned funeral home. The family lived upstairs. The father was the mortician who ran the funeral home. The mother was the secretary, the receptionist. But there were two little kids there. One kid was a little red-headed punk. And then there was a second kid, a sweet little kid, named Cain. The Undertaker and Cain would run around the funeral home like wild men. They had free reign of the property. They'd sneak out behind the garage. I see what they were doing. Their mom and daddy didn't see what they were doing. 
but I saw what they were doing. I saw them taking chemicals out of the bombing room of the funeral home. I saw them sneaking behind the garage, smoking cigarettes when they were little kids. But you know, one particular afternoon, I was leaving to go to school. As I backed my car out of the funeral home, I looked behind, and who do I see? That red-haired devil seed undertaker with his little brother. Something was funny. It, it, something didn't seem right. But I went ahead and backed out of the driveway and went to school. I came back from school about 10 o'clock that night, and what do I see? I see fire trucks. I see ambulance. I see steam and smoke. And I see the funeral home in ashes. Someone burned down the funeral home. Inside the funeral home was this lovely family that took care of me. I looked over to the bushes. Who did I see in the bushes but the Undertaker? Undertaker, you burnt the funeral home to the ground. And along with the funeral home, you killed your parents. You killed your family, Undertaker. I know it. I've had this secret on my inside all my life. 20 years. You killed him. Undertaker, you are a murderer. You are a murderer, Undertaker. You're a goddamn murderer. So we've just seen Paul Bearer saying that The Undertaker killed his parents in a fire. And there was three coffins. There was. Do you want to hear The Undertaker's response, Dan? It's true. Yes. It is true. My mother, my father, and my little brother burnt to death in the family funeral home. But I think it's important that we have all the facts straight. Yes, Kane and I were playing with matches that day. And we were punished when my father found us. Me more so than Cain. I was the oldest. I should have known better. My father explained to us what we were doing and how those liquids were flammable. And after he punished me, 
He sent me on my way to do my daily chores. And as I was leaving the funeral home, I looked back and I seen Cain leaving out one of the rear doors of the embalming room. And I seen that he had those liquids in his hand. You know, it never occurred to me what he was going to do. I thought nothing of it. And I live with that fact every day of my life. Cain was my responsibility. He was my little brother. As I returned to the funeral home from doing my chores, I could hear the sirens. I could see the smoke filling the sky. Without knowing, I knew. I knew what had happened. And I ran. And I ran as fast as I could. When I got to the funeral home, it was engulfed in flames. I never slowed down for one second. I ran right for the front door. That's when they grabbed me. They wouldn't let me go in. The firefighters, they held me back. And as I stood there, restrained, I watched the funeral home. And inside that funeral home was my mother, my father, and little Cain. I watched that funeral home burn down to the ground. And yes, Paul, it's true. I wasn't at the funeral. But you didn't care to explain to the people why that was. That two nights before, during the middle of the night, you drug me to the neighboring funeral home so that I could see my family. Till this very day, the image of my mother laying on that table. As you pulled that sheet back and I look at the burnt and charred body of the most wonderful woman that had ever walked on this earth, laid there, the air escaped from my lungs. I couldn't breathe. I thought I was going to be sick. But you insisted. You insisted that this small boy in the middle of the night go and look at the charred remains of what two days earlier was his family. It was a day that changed 
me forever. For me to be able to deal with the death of my family, I had to look at death. I had to understand that without death, there cannot be life. So I have taken it upon myself to walk a path where no one else chooses to. I draw strength from the spirit of the dead. And that spirit of my mother, of my father, and of my little brother will strike you down, Paul Bear. Will strike you down. So, Dan, we've just seen the untake there. What do you think of that? It certainly wasn't as entertaining as the Hogan sting bit. <laughs> well, no, no it's, it's definitely different. But what we should say is that we've seen certain character, and the only vulnerability was with Paul Bearer turning with Mankind in 1996. And then up until that point, we've not heard from him really, apart from talking about his you know, creatures of the night. This is the most human we'd see the Undertaker and probably a modern uh, the earliest version of the American bad- badass as well isn't it you know yeah oh, definitely Cause you... well his voice sounded yeah. normal like the American badass you know it weren't until the end where he rest in peace <laughs> well that was the Undertaker in our next match well it's Rockabilly Dan we've seen him too many times in this show <laughs> we have indeed and it's Paul Bearer coming out with well Dan it's time it's time. It's, it's Vader time. But it's hard to sit here focusing on this matchup when you realise the hurt that Undertaker has been in throughout all these years. And finally, we're hearing it. It's why he did become the Undertaker. Bearer coming out here. Nearly as big as Vader, actually. Uh, <laughs> nearly as round as Vader. Yeah. Who are you going to go for, Rockabilly or Vader, Dan? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for Rockabilly. <laughs> the upset of all upsets. He's got the guitar. Oh, and he breaks the guitar over Vader's back, and I don't think it hurt Vader one bit. Oh, he didn't sell it at all. And now, now he's taken down Rockabilly. Well, the honky tonk can't play a song with that. Oh, wait a minute. Here comes the Undertaker. <laughs> and the Undertaker beating the living piss out of Vader. <laughs> Paul Bearer just shouting that. It's a chance to start, isn't it? Oh, my God. An Undertaker just <laughs> slapping Paul Bearer. <laughs> Undertaker telling him to tell the truth. Kane's alive! And the Undertaker who's slapping the shit out of Paul Bearer was distracted by that news. Understandably, Dan. And now Vader and Bearer hightail it out of there. And Undertaker's gone from the start of the night. Everything was fine. Everybody knew he was a murderer, but apparently... not. He's to... alive! <laughs> yeah, not He's to... alive! <laughs> not to his little brother. Kane is alive. What does that mean as we go forward, Dan? Surely Kane wouldn't have become a wrestler as well. I think he would have become a dentist. <laughs> yeah, or, or something like just a normal job. But... <clears throat> I was at Gankham. 
But see what happens as we move along. And the next pay-per-view after that was Great American Bash, June 15th. Yes, and uh, the Ultimate Ultima Dragon defeated Psychosis. Harlem Heat uh, defeated the Steiner Brothers by disqualification in a tag team match. Conan defeated Humorous. Uh, Glacier defeated Rap. Akira Hakoto were defeated Medusa in a title versus career match for the WCW Women's Championship. Chris Benoit defeated Ming in a death match. Leave it. Kevin Green defeated Steve McMichael. You see two American foot players. You see what he did there. And uh, the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, defeated Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. Yeah, and before we move on to the main event, we were speaking about the DDP uh, Hall of Fame show we did. We were speaking of it before. The rivalry between Macho Man, Randy Savage and DDP. And Dan, you were giving us some great insight into it. Do you want to continue that story now? Yeah. Well, Randy Savage gets more than he bargained for when DDP hits the ring with a crutch in his hand at Slambury 97. Following their physical battle at Spring Stampede, Macho Man suffered an injury that were keeping out the ring for a couple of months. However, Savage's impairment does not stop him from going after Page. The one thing about Randy is that even when he was hurt, he knew how to get inside people's heads. Page remembered about his former rival. On WCW's Monday Nitro, Savage came out on crutches and did an interview with Mean Gene Ogland, where he continued to talk Page. DDP responded by taking one of Savage's crutches and trying to attend, who cowardly used Miss Elizabeth as a shield. Unfortunately for Page, he could not see the nefarious leader of the NWO, Hollywood Hogan, behind him and, mercil- and mercil- mercilessly attack him with another crutch. Hogan whipped the crap out of me with that crutch, Page said, recalling the welts that were left on him. When I finally got backstage, Kevin Green saw my back and said to me, Diamond, what the hell happened to you? How hard, how hard, was, Homan, how hard was Hogan hitting me? Other guys were shocked. Page would find retribution for the attack at Slambury, waiting inside the ring with the bent crutch. DDP called out Macho Man, who responded and charged the ring. Savage came up short in his attack as Page started using the crutch to his advantage and then used it on the NWO members who came to Savage's aid. I hit Savage and those other NWO scumbags so hard that you can see the crutch start to bend and break, Page explained. You can actually see the crutch break and a piece start into the ropes. Just, uh, I just thought how lucky it was that a piece didn't hit a fan. Both confrontations reinforced a very simple fact about this rivalry. It was physical. Finally, Savage and Page would have their hard second battle at June's Great American Bash. Once again, a contest for traditional rules would not be enough to settle a score between these two bitter rivals. Thus, they squared off in a fourth count anywhere match. Similar to an encounter at Spring Stampede, the two competitors battled all over arena and even through the crowd. We knew that second match would be as wild as the first, Page said. So WWE promoted it as Savage Page 2, taking a page out of the early Fraser days and it definitely added to the intensity of the match. Definitely added to the intensity of the match. Also, much like the previous contest, neither Page nor Savage were able to maintain momentum for long enough. One of the most memorable moments of the match came when the two ring warriors battled their way up the entranceway late in the contest where a number of fans who had won a contest were seated in a picnic area next to the entrance stage. The lucky fans had no idea that they would soon become part of the action as DDP and Matcha Man made their way towards them. As Pace sent Savage crashing through the wooden fence, the shock crowd scattered just in time to witness DDP break a dinner plate over the Macho Man's head. 
The brawl raged back inside the ring with neither competitor keeping momentum on his side for long. A true testament to the spirit of both competitors and the rivalry as a whole. But when Paige took down Savage with his patented diamond cutter, it seemed to be a done deal. So I finally take him down and I'm beat up, man. So as I'm trying to recover, down comes Scott Hall. Hall took down Paige with the outsider's edge, allowing Macho Man to execute his flying elbow drop for the win. However, DDP shared the immediate aftermath of that match with WWE Classics. That elbow drop knocked me out, Paige explained. I got back up the ramp and I remember asking Kim, where am I? Nitro, did I just have a match? My face swelled up and the next night I got to Nitro and I see Randy. He takes one look at me and says, I'm sorry, brother, and walks away. So we move on and like we say, we are deep in the feud of DDP, Matchman Ray Savage. We've got the whole thing with Sting and the NWO. And we come to June 30th, 1997, episode 94 of Nitro. And in the main event, it will be the Lex, it will be Lex Luger, the Giant Anderson against Scott Hall, Kevin Ash and the Macho Man, Randy Savage. But Dan, what happened on the undercard? We had a WCW Cruiserweight match. Jericho beat Juventude. That's not bad. That sounds quite good. Guerrero beat Malenko. Uh, Fucking hell, that's not a bad match as well. For the TV title, Regal beat Hector Garza. Psychosis beat Super Keiko. Okay. And the four horsemen, Benoit, Flair and Mongo, beat NWO's Bagwell, Chono and Scott Norton. Yeah. And, and uh, for the US title, Jarrett beat Conan and Nash beat Rey Mysterio. Yeah, so not a bad undercard, is it really? When you compare it to the Raw one the same day. It's, uh, I think Nitro won that one, didn't they? Yeah, only slightly. With what the wrestlers would become and, you know, who they'd, you know, where their careers would go. Yeah, and of course this is Las Vegas and there's Varda. And we are just about for the main event as we see the Giant, a.k.a. the Big Show. And what a huge main event, eh? Team WSW versus Team NWO. And DDP trying to get the apron and NWO knocking him down. Well, the NWO, yeah, they're certainly defending their ring. Oh, Luger's got in though, beating Hall up. DDP's taking Savage to the outside. Giants up on the apron. He's managing to fight Kevin Nash back. Uh, The two big men going at it as well. And this is broken down. I see Team WCW is starting to get the upper hand. This is one thing about the network. You can go back and watch all the greatness from 97, eh? Greatness. Greatness. Well, DDP choking Savage. Lex Luger with Scott Hall. And look at the flexibility of the giant choking out Kevin Nash. Oh, but Hall's starting to get the upper hand against Luger. And now Nash is starting... Well, the tables have turned. It's uh, Nash, Hall and uh, Savage. Uh, they're starting to get the upper hand. <laughs> the giant being rocked by Nash, but not knocked on his feet. But look how great shape the giant is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Big show. Looks so well. What happened? Now he's been choked by Nash in the corner. Is it just like a big brawl for all? Yeah, and I'm thinking... I don't think either man wants to go in the corner and let uh, another team take control at the moment. We want to see a proper match here, but I don't think referee's got any control. Poor Randy no. Johnson. <clears throat> He's a Randy bastard. He's savage holds, uh, held. Best Randy wrestling is. And Savage <laughs> chopping DDP on the bottom rope as Miss Elizabeth looks dazed on. Savage pulls DDP to the outside. Look at the strapping on DDP's midsection where Macho Man would assault him. With the crutch. We know that now, you see. Luger and Hall fighting. But Paige is still getting beaten down by Savage. Paige is taking a Savage beat. He is, but I don't know what the referee's doing. He's just... He seems to be counting nothing and... He's just... Like, <laughs> come on, guys. Yeah, come on. Stop it, one. No, you're right. Oh, <laughs> did I go over there? No, no. Oh, <laughs> no. 
<laughs> I command you to stop. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Please stop. Oh, now the big show, or the giant has got both Nash and Hall by the head. Yeah, the outsiders and, oh! A giant headbutt to the pair of them. Not a double choke slam, surely. Don't call me Shirley, but it looks like he's teeing up for it. Oh, no, he's going to go run towards him. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, well, he looks like he was going to eliminate them both from the rumble, but he ends up getting tossed to the outside. And um, what the hell is Hogan coming, doing out here with the world title? That's not Hulk Hogan. <laughs> That's not Hogan. He's, that man's not got a moustache. <laughs> Hollywood Hogan coming out here, painted on beard, with the world title in hand. Oh, and he just clocked the giant from behind. And he's saying to Luger, come on. And Luger's not scared. And DDP signaling for the diamond cutter, but we're not focusing on that at the moment. Hogan nails Luger from behind. And DDP looking to go to the diamond cutter. Oh, but Nash interrupts, but DDP's trying to fight him off. Oh, now we've got more members of the NWO coming out here as well. Bagwell, yep. Chono, I think, all just beating up. DDP is caught between Hall, Savage, and Nash, and that is not a place you want to be. Especially with those busted up ribs, Dan. He might have internal bleeding here. Oh, it, it certainly looks like that way. And now Nash has got the championship belt. Oh, with a belt shot to the ribs. And you can see Luger and the Giant just completely out of ringside. And Macho Man, oh! From the top right with a big elbow. And this is what the NWO was all about. The numbers game, Dan. Oh, was he going to go up top again? And deliver another thunderous elbow? You said Michaels could deliver an elbow from the top rope. Exactly. This is probably the greatest elbow dropper of all time. And is that the real sting? Well, if that is the real sting, he's looking on at the NWO's destruction. The Savage goes again. Third time lucky. And that's the third elbow drop to the ribs. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> and that's the real sting dropping from the rafters. And he's heading straight towards Hogan and the rest of the NWO. They're all backing down. They're afraid of the stinger. And now Sting's in. <laughs> oh, and the NWO are scrambling away. And Sting has come to save DDP. And wait a minute, Dan. Mr. Perfect, or Kurt Hennig. What the hell is Kurt Hennig doing out here? He might be dying as his Pace Mystery part of the next pay-per-view. <gasps> Raven? Wait, wait a minute. Raven. What quote, about him? Quote Raven, I was going to say. What about him? What about Raven? And is this finally going to be the Team WSW that can rival the yeah. NWO, Dan? I hope so. They need a lesson to be taught to them. Well, that wasn't really much of a, a match, per se. No, but it was what I think WSW was about. You know, all the crap, all the all stuff going on. And suddenly Sting comes down from the rafters. Uh, really, for me, it's really exciting watching it, you know, because it happen. And anything can happen in WSW Nitro because we move on. So, yeah, we move on to the July 7th edition of WCW Monday Nitro that's held in the Mid-South Coliseum. We're going to watch something really interesting in a moment. But, Dan, what were the result, rest of the results on this show. Public Enemy, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge defeated Harlem Heat, Booker T and Stevie Ray. Conan defeated Joe Gomez via submission. Juventud Guerrera and Hector Garza defeated Los Villanos. That's Villano 4 and Villano 5. Vicious and Delicious, Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton defeated Eddie and Chavo Guerrera. Psychosis and Silver King fought Glacier and Ernest the Cat Miller to a no contest. And the Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott Steiner, defeated Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael. But we're going to focus on one of the mid-card matches, which is Randy Matchman Savage versus Le Parker. 
But before we get onto that match, I mean, they weren't the only show in town, were they? Monday Night Raw was also on exactly the same time out of the Northlands Coliseum in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Dan, what are the results for that one? The Great Suzuki defeated Kaku. Crush versus Savio Vega ended in a double count out. Owen Hart and the British Bulldog defeated the Nation of Domination, D'Lo Brown and Farouk by count out. Uh, the WWF Tag Team Title Tournament final match. Steve Austin defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Brian Christopher defeated Eric Shelley. Bret Hart defeated Goldust. And in a dark match, the Hart Foundation, Bret Hart, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog defeated Steve Austin, the Legion of Doom. Yeah, so on paper, what was the better card, Dan? I'd have to say Raw. Raw? Nah, yeah. Fair enough. You back Raw a lot. We'll have our overall rating at the end of the show. But I just think commentators, who would you rather have? Vince McMahon, Jerry Law, Jim Ross, or Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, Mike Tanay? Uh Vince McMahon, Bobby Heenan, and Jim Ross. Oh. I think that'd be fair. I mean, credit to Mike Tanay. I do like Mike Tanay, but I don't think Tony Schiavone makes any of our lists. So, yes, yeah, so Match Man's coming out here. Of course, he's not coming alone, is he, Dan? No, he's with his uh, NWO brethren. Yes, Scott Hall, Miss Elizabeth by his side. The NWO always travel in a pack. Macho Madness. The Macho Man is coming at you. <laughs> it's really good. But you just... So it's the Parker, Macho Man Randy Savage. And this should be easy for the Macho Man. But the Parker's got his own little craziness about him. We've seen him. He's the chairman of WCW at the moment in time. Oh, oh, oh. Savage is serious now. He's taking his bandana off. And his glasses. And he, oh, well, my God. He means business. But it is NWO for life. And Savage easily puts down the Parker. Should be a walk in the Parker for Savage. <laughs> the fans showing a diamond cut side mocking Savage because he's in the middle of the feud. <laughs> What's Scott Hall doing, Dan? Scott Hall is telling the fans... To suck it. Wow. Oh, but LaParker with a cheeky roll-up. Only gets a two count, though. Two. And Macho Man responding as if he was embarrassed by him and just takes him down. But LaParker looks like he's a hidden member of the NWO. <laughs> Black and white. Yeah. And where's Scott Hall going now? He's creeping away. Is he going to go on a commentating team? He's mocking Larry Zabisco. Well, the fans looking on Savage. Not even paying attention to the Parker. There we go. He's going to go slam him up. Boom. Slams him to the mat. Is he going to finish him off right here, right now? Finish him. <clears throat> going to go up to hit a beautiful elbow drop. He's taking his sweet-ass time about it. Oh, oh, but the Parker manages to get his feet up to block the elbow drop. Oh. Hits him with DDP's diamond cutter. Well, he's borrowing it. I suppose takes a mask off. That is DDP. <laughs> and the fans going crazy. Bang. DDP played the NWO. <laughs> Scott Hall hears the free count and a victory, thinking Savage has won it, but it's actually DDP. He's making his hasty exit. <laughs> well, Scott Hall realising, but it's too late. Ms. Elizabeth's trying to explain things, but she's just slurring. I see it's my mum really can't care. And now they real Scott Hall realises it wasn't the part it was the Diamond Dallas page. <laughs> see what you've done, done there. The Diamond Cutter. <laughs> see what you've done again. Scott Hall is furious, but 
What a moment, Dan. Well, you know, he played the NWI at their own game. Macho Man was confident he was going to beat uh, pretty much nobody in La Parker, but it turned out to be DDP. And he pulled the wall over everyone's eyes. And as we've seen, I mean, one of the few men this year in WCW to have some success over the NWO. He pulled a fast one over Hall and Nash, didn't he, when he looked like he had the NWO t-shirt on. He's done it again here tonight on the Macho Man. But Dan, we'll talk about this feud. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about this? Macho Man Randy Savage receives a diamond cutter and then a big surprise when DDP reveals himself under the park. One of the most memorable moments of the rivalry between DDP and Macho Man came in the weeks after the Great American Bash on WCW Monday Nitro. Savage was scheduled to face the, un- face the unmistakable Luchador La Parker, a mismatch for sure, but no one was aware that under La Parker's mask hid DDP. <clears throat> no one knew about it except La Parker, Page told WWE Classics. I remember being in the dressing room. He didn't speak any English, but he was going over his mannerisms, that walk and his guitar things, for me to mimic when I went out. So I'm dressed as La Parker. And poor... No, you're not. What are you talking about? I'm dressed as an awful of pain. So I'm dressed as La Parker and Paul Randolph, who was a producer. No, you're not. You're dressed... you got a different T-shirt. Anyway, go on. So I'm dressed as La Parker and Paul Randolph, who was a producer at the time, comes in to let La Parker know his match was next, Paige recalled. Paul looks at me and says, La Parker, you're up. He then looks at me and realises I'm about three inch taller than La Parker and I've got blue eyes. At that point, he realised who was really under the mask, and says, nice, I like it. Dressed as La Parker, DDP competed in the match, that he was under the mask, until he executed a diamond cutter, when Paige removed the hood, and the crowd come unglued. DDP referred to that incident, as a defining moment in the rivalry. Following the, the La Parker incident, Macho Man teamed up with Scott Hall, to battle DDP and Kurt Hennig, at the bash at the beach. The match marked Hennig's WCW debut and Paige was sure he could trust the WWE Hall of Famer who had a history dating back to their time in AWA. But during the match, Hennig turned on DDP allowing Hall and Savage to score the win. After a battle with Hennig at WCW's Road Wild, Paige once again squared off with Hall and Savage at full brawl. This time he chose a partner he knew would not turn on him, WCW stalwart Lex Luger. The physical battle highlighted the ongoing struggle between WCW and the NWO, but the match ended when Luger pinned Hall, leaving DDP and Savage's animosity unresolved. So that's where we leave the DDP and Randy Savage feud. Their next match is booked in for Halloween Havoc 97, which will be our Halloween special episode this year. But straight back on the Thailand. We talked about Bash at the Beach July 13th, Dan. Do you want to tell me some of the... uh, Results there. Uh, Mortis and Raff defeated Glacier and Ernest Miller in a tag team match. Chris Jericho defeated Ultimo Dragon to retain the Cruiserweight Championship. The Steiner Brothers defeated the Great Muta and Misharo Chono. Uh, Juventud Guerrera, Hector Garza and Liz Mark Jr. defeated La Parker, the actual La Parker, Psychosis <laughs> and Vinalo 4. Chris Benoit defeated the Taskmaster in a retirement match. Jeff Jarrett defeated Steve McMichael in a match for the WCW United States Championship. Uh, Of course, we mentioned before, Scott Hall and Randy Savage defeated DDP and Kurt Hennig. 
Uh, Roddy Piper defeated Ric Flair in a singles match. And Lex Luger and the Giant defeated Hollywood Hogan and Dennis Rodman. Yeah, I mean, we should really mention Dennis Rodman because, I mean, I think everybody knows who he is, former basketball player. And WWE thought it was a great idea at the time to have him involved as part of the NWO in matches. And the reason we're not watching these matches, Dan, is because... They are fucking awful. They are the worst part of garbage around. So we'll see what happens as we move along. And the next pay-per-view was the 9th of July, which was the WWF In Your House Canadian Stampede from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, on the 9th of July. Mankind and Hunter Hearst Helmsley fought to a double DQ. The great Suzuki beat Takamishinoku. Undertaker, who was the WWF champion, beat Vader. And the Hart Foundation beat Stone Cold Steve Austin, Goldust, Ken Shamrock and the Road Warriors. Yeah, and that was a phenomenal main event between those two teams. Because the Mankind Triple H match was really good as well. So yeah, we're going to focus on the three that we talked about. We saw in the interview with Dude Love jumping off the, uh, jumping off the house. We see what it meant to him. But uh, we are going to go to July 14th. And uh, we are going to see... We're going to talk about both first because, of course, WCW was July 14th as well, Dan, wasn't it? It was indeed, yes. It was held in the Orlando Arena in Orlando, Florida. Alex went against Prince Iakea and that ended in a no contest. Eddie Guerrero defeated Chavo Guerrero. Steiner Brothers defeated Vicious and Delicious by disqualification. Chris Benoit defeated Mike Enos. La Parker and Super Calo ended in a no contest. Scott Hall and Six defeated Harlem Heat. Uh, Mashiro, Chona and the Great Muta defeated me. And Jeff Jarrett defeated Ric Flair by DQ to retain the United States Championship. Yeah, so what do you think of that card? A couple of no <laughs> contests there, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like a couple of no contests, a couple of DQs, it's like... Yeah, I know, and like, yeah, Chris Benoit's in action versus Mike Enos, yeah, great, and Steiner Brothers there against Buff Abwell, and Scott Hall and Six are teaming up, Austin coming out is just brilliant anyway, so yeah, we move on to the July 14th edition of Raw, which took place in San Antonio, Texas, so, ooh, the hometown of uh, a certain wrestler. Indeed, yes. And on on the show, we had Ivan Putsky and Scott Putsky, father and son team, Brian Christopher and Jerry Lawler, and of course they... Father and son. Yeah. Takamichi Noku de- defeated Yoshiro Tajiri. A little bit of a sleeper match Tijiri. there. Yeah, Monday Night Raw. Los Bariquas, Jose Estrada, and Miguel Perez defeat the Headbangers, Mosh and Frasher. Ken Shamrock defeated Jim Neidhart by submission. So, out of all the Hart families at the moment, Jim's probably the one they don't care about the most. Uh, <laughs> Legion of Doom, Animal and Hawk beat uh, the. Oh, no. They faced the new Blackjacks, Blackjack Brad Windham, and that ended in a no contest. Vader defeated Flash Funk. And in our main event, it's Steve Austin going for the tag team titles by himself. Mankind asked him to be his partner and he didn't want him. He wants to do it himself. He's come out here. He's had a great reaction. What's he doing straight away, Dan? Well, he's come out and he just runs straight into the ring and he's taken out both British Bulldog and Owen Hart in typical (laughs) Austin fashion. Yeah, Austin just does not care. He's had a problem with the Hart Foundation. Most of 97, well, throughout the whole of 97. And now we're in American territory. Oh, snap suplex. And Austin's going to get this match done early. Yeah. Take Owen Hart and Bulldog down. We've seen a lot of Owen Hart and Bulldog, but it's fantastic to see. Oh, and then the heel kick by Owen Hart, knocking Austin's head off. Just like that, the tide turns. The crowd going crazy. We see the Canadian flag in the corner. 
Owen Hart with a step up in Seguri attempt blocked by Austin who ducked it and hits it hits Owen Hart with a clothesline and now he's going to go for the sharpshooter. I mean this is just insult to injury but British Bulldog comes in to break up that attempt and now Austin's getting double teamed and the ref's doing nothing about it. He's not. Senior referee shirt stealer Hebner. As we see in the crowd as well his 16 t-shirts popping up one by one there's an NWO top there as well. Now Owen and Bulldog beating down on Steve Austin. This is a time when WWF t-shirts wasn't the big thing. I think it was more signs than t-shirts. And you see a bloke mopping the floor. <laughs> Somebody just probably dropped a beer, threw up. Who knows, we're in Texas, everything's bigger. There's Bulldog and Austin in the ring. Oh, oh but Austin hits Bulldog with a massive clothesline after being Irish whipped into the corner. And then with an elbow strike to the back of the head. I mean, how is Austin going to beat two members of the Hart family? Especially, not only just to the two members, two members of the most gold. Tag team champions, European champion. You know, like I say, Hart Foundation as well. Managing, they're just going to pick apart Steve Austin. Oh, and an Irish rip against the stairs there from Owen Hart to Austin. And Austin looks in all sorts of trouble. <laughs> that was vicious, that was. It was. Usually shoulder first and all. And the British Bulldog is waving the Canadian flag. In America. Riding up the fans. Yeah, in America. And oh, what's this? We see a pair of boots walking. Well, war zone continues and white boots coming out. I don't know. But Austin not doing too badly by himself. He's come back from ad break. A big shoulder block takedown. Oh, Oh. belly to belly overhead suplex. And Austin's in trouble. Oh, I think we've, we well, I forgot how good Owen Hart and British Bulldog were as a tag team. Now they're going to double-team Austin. Oh. <laughs> oh, but Austin there responds after the Irish whip with a double clothesline taking down both members of the Hart family. But as Austin turns his attentions to Bulldog, Owen Hart goes down with a chop block and takes down Austin's leg. Oh. oh and now with one leg each, they make Austin do the splits, and I don't think he wanted to. No. What? No, goddamn kid. And Austin's in serious trouble getting that leg worked on. See the big knee brace around it as well. Well, aside from Austin 316 shirts, a couple of NWO shirts and a Raw is War, I've not seen many other T-shirts about. It's weird, though, because there's not many signs even. Usually, like you say, I mean, during the Attitude Era days, it just got silly because everybody had a sign, didn't it? So no one could see fuck all. (laughs) Austin's turned around Owen Hart. Well, a vicious Irish whip, but Owen Hart raises the knee to the oncoming Austin and takes him out. But Austin can't tag out to give himself a break. No, he's got nobody there, and Owen hits a net break. He's trying to get Austin down, but Austin kicks out. Oh. I wonder who them white boots belong to. Well, maybe it was Bret Hart. Maybe he's going to turn side, help out Steve Austin. Shawn Michaels. Wow. He was his former tag team partner. Maybe he's coming out here now. But Owen Hart off top with a double axe handle smash attempt, but Austin catches him in the midsection. And now he's giving him some big right hands. And now he's got him in the corner, he's stomping the mud hole and he's walking it dry. Stand the time. Oh. Now Owen Hart pushes him out, Bulldog in the process. <laughs> and then Austin eliminates Hart from the Royal Rumble. And now we're not going to see Austin flying over the top rope to take these two guys out. I'd just like to point that out. We're not, but he's there taunting the crowd in love with Steve Austin at the moment. That looks like Mick Foley, but what? it's not Mankind. Steve-O, looks like you could use a little help, my man, like maybe a tag team partner. What? What's the matter? Don't you recognize me? Now, I don't blame you for not teaming up with that mutilated freak 
mankind, but you never said nothing about teaming up with the hippest cat in the land. Steve-O, baby, it's me, Dude Love, and I am coming to save the day. Oh, have It's not mankind. It's not Cactus Jack. It it's is Dude Love. Dude Love. So Stone Cold finally got himself a tag team partner. Well, Owen Hart bald look bewildered, and it's Dude Love. Oh, have mercy! <laughs> Steve Austin cannot believe it. The Dudester's here. Oh my word! Like we said, it's one of the alter egos of Mick Fo- the free face of the Foley. But this is the Foley that Foley wanted to be. This is. This is the Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley. <laughs> and he's out. He's getting a good pop. Not from Austin, though. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he's magic. And Austin got still going on. Oh, and Dude Love's distracted Austin from Owen Hart, but that soon ended. It did, and Austin tags in the dude. <laughs> and the fans go crazy. <laughs> the dude's in. Here we go. Back in own heart of the corner. Irish rip and now dude. Oh, oh. with a running knee in the corner. <laughs> oh, have mercy. He wants to take Steve in, but Austin says no. He's like, you've been in for all of 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. word, Come on. Oh, Bulldog gets the tag in. Tags in the powerhouse. And now he's going to work away on the dooster. Look at that. He took off his do-rag. He's not a Negro. And now his glasses have fallen off as well. Bulldog going to go past Slam. Oh! No, but Foley with a mandible claw. Well, would it be the love handle? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Owen Hart with a drop kick from the back of Dude Love, though, breaking up that. Oh, well, having a distraction. Austin with a stunner! <laughs> oh! Stunner! Stunner! Dude, go for the cover! One, two, three! Oh! <laughs> and. No! <laughs> Tag team champions. Oh, my word. Well, Dude Love and Steve Austin are the tag team champions. Dan, what do you make of that? Madness. <laughs> well, it is a good way to introduce himself, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Dude Love. We've seen Mankind. Will we see Cactus Jack at some point this year? I just don't know, Dan. Oh, I hope so. He was an entertaining mofo. He was the more hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and after that, we had SummerSlam from the Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. The 3rd of August, Dan, what happened? Uh, well, first off, we had a cage match where Mankind beat Hunter Hearst Helmsley. The second match was an interesting stipulation. It was a loser must wear a dress and <laughs> Goldust beat Brian Pillman. 
Um, we had the European Championship. Champion Davy Boy Smith beat Ken Shamrock by DQ. Los Barocas beat the Disciples of Apocalypse, which is the DOA. Intercontinental Championship. Stone Cold Steve Austin won the title from Owen Hart in a match where if he lost, he'd have to kiss Owen's backside at the end of the match. Uh, and that match is infamous for uh, Stone Cold having that horrific neck injury, which caused his career to be significantly shortened. We had a WWF champion featuring Shawn Michaels as special guest referee, where Bret Hart beat The Undertaker. Yeah, and this is where it gets really interesting now, because we've seen that Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels have problems with each other. During that match, Shawn Michaels picked up the chair, went and hit Bret with it, and unfortunately hit The Undertaker, but then that kind of spurned on a Shawn Michaels heel turn, and the advent of everything we're just about to see. Uh, and like I say, with Steve Austin injury, SummerSlam 97 was quite a pivotal pay-per-view as well. Uh, so we move on to our next episode of Nitro, and our last one here, and it is a big one. Episode 99 of Nitro, August 4th, and in main event, Hollywood Hogan battles Lex Luger for the WWE World title. Before we get on to the Nitro results, Dan, because we're going to get involved in them, we'll just talk about uh, Monday Night Raw, which happened exactly the same time, which happened for Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and uh, I'll read the first couple of matches because you won't be able to stand my handwriting. Ken Chamrock beat Carmen Mustafa, Takamichi Noku beat Brian Christopher, and the Triple H versus Vader match ended in a double countout. Uh, the Patriot defeated the Sultan. Ahmed Johnson defeated Chains. Goodwin, uh, the Goodwins defeated the Headbangers. Bob Holly defeated Brian Pillman by countout. Dude Love, uh, oh, and Dude Love defeated Owen Hart. Let's get really deep into WWE Nitro, August 4th. Uh, have fireworks and Michael Buffer welcome us to Nitro for the Palace of Auburn Hills in Detroit, Michigan, Dan. Wow. And then... Uh, Nitro Girls! Nitro Girls! Well, Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco and Mike Tanay introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Tony Schiavone. Hi, I'm Larry Zabisco. And hi, I'm Mike Tanay. Well, here comes Hollywood Hogan with a spray-painted WWE World title belt and Eric Bischoff. Hogan's been the WWE World Champion for damn... You miss for the NWO, you mess for them for life. Hogan's a god, etc., etc., etc. Basically, every NWO Hogan promo ever. Schiavone, Zabisco and Tanay run down the show, which will include an appearance by Sting. Oh, and nine minutes in, and finally match one: Mortis versus Kurt Hennig. And apparently, rumours of the Steiner brothers doing something big this evening. And a reminder: Road Wild is Saturday, not Sunday. Not a whole lot of discussion about the match, but they do run down the card for this episode. And a perfect plex wins it for Kurt. Video package for Sting. He returns tonight. Match two: Hector and Chavo Guerrero. Versus Dean Malenko and Jeff Jarrett with Queen, with Queen Deborah. Loud boost for Jarrett. Awesome. Wait. Jeff Jarrett is the WCW United States Champion. And he won it from Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko. What even is this? Uh, let me check the Wikipedia. Yep. Turns out Jeff is the DGF Champion. He won it back on June 9th. Announcer's not even calling the match. But Jarrett and Malenko seem to have that chemistry. Texas Cloverleaf taps out Hector Guerrero. Malenko's not about that strutting. No, I don't think he's going to start doing it, is it? Uh, we see a Roy's weak sign, and it's upside down as Gene Oakland interviews Raven. And a wild Stevie Richards appears <laughs> with papers in hand. Stevie went to CNN Center in Atlanta and got himself a contract for Raven. 
Raven gives it the once over and spits in Stevie's face and pushes him off. Raven goes for a right, but Stevie blocks. Raven says, uh, "Raven says he's not going to take Stevie's abuse anymore and walks." Um, I, okay. okay, okay. Nitro Party plug-in. It's on to match three: the Giant with no music versus three local competitors in a handicap match. Okay, they're not local athletes. They are Jumping Joey Mags, Lenny Lane, and Scott D'Amore. Well, local athletes do not have to tag in and out. Not that it matters. Choke stands for all. Giant with a flawless victory in just 95 seconds. Match Macho Man Randy Savage is out with Miss Elizabeth. Off her nut on coke. <laughs> Macho says he wants none of Giant. The Giant vehemently, vehemently disagrees. And Macho takes off. Yeah, we get a plug for WWE Saturday Night. Road Wild Edition. Then a Lex Luger video package. The title video package. <laughs> uh, match four, Public Enemy versus High Voltage. High Voltage, I believe, suck. <laughs> Possibly on purpose. You'll have to excuse me as I'm drifting in and out. Table and Rocco Rock goes through it. Rib breaker and a slingshot leg drop. They could win it here, but incompetency leads to a roll-up by Johnny Grunge on Rage, and Public Enemy wins. Broken table fragments of Grunge, and Johnny's out. High voltage, stand tall. Nitro girls, and non-Nitro girl, Alex Wright. Wright speaks in German, and apparently, according to Gene Oakland, some guy thinks he's number one. On to match five. Alex Wright versus Scotty Riggs for the Cruiserweight Championship. Riggs... In the American male's gear, but not the music. Nope, not a WWE dub. This is the first week he actually doesn't come out to the American male's music. Crowd does not like them some Alex Wright. Missile dropkick retains a cruiserweight title for Wright. Right, today out, Bobby Heenan tags in. And we're starting with an interview, Mean Gene, with a challenger for the WWE world title, Lex Luger. Tonight's a defining moment for Luger, WCW and the NWO. He's looking to take advantage of the opportunity that's landed in his lap. Match six. Six. <laughs> Weirdly enough, six in the sixth match versus Chris Benoit. Six will face Vic, Vic Flair at Roadwell, so I expect this to be nothing more than an angle advancement. Suicide die forearm. Wow, creepy in hindsight. <laughs> well, True of Road, a unique version of the Bronco Buster, Mishinoku Driver and Sifra Cover. Houston hangover is off the mark. Benoit with hard chops and a back body drop. Snap suplex gets two. Back drop suplex gets two. Six misses a second Bronco Buster and Chris is going to wrap him up. Jeff Jarrett nails Benoit and in comes Mongo. Paging Dean Malenko. There he is. And Dean's all over Jeff. Anarchy, anarchy, anarchy. Chris Benoit wins via disqualification. Nigel! Match 7, NWO B-teamers Vincent, who was Virgil, versus Booker T with Stevie Ray. And I can dig that sucker. Absurd note I found on the internet. This is Vincent's first match on a Monday night wrestling show since 1994. And he gets killed dead. Booker T with a flawless victory in just 49 seconds. Uh, Gene Oakland, if you were DDP, he's facing Ric Flair later. Gene Oakland. That'd be a funny match to see. <laughs> Ma- match eight, the Barbarian versus Wrath. And not a good Hoss fight, but a Hoss fight. Kick of fear misses, but Power Slam does not. Barbarian going for the Benoit special. 
kidding his wife and kid. But Ralph delivers a death penalty. Ming is in, but Ralph is restrained by Vandenberg saying, not now. Gene Oakland with the uh, Gene Oakland interview with the Steiner brothers and Ted DiBiase. He's returning after more than two months away. And DiBiase plans to leave Los Steiners to the WCW World Tag Titles. Speaking of which, here come the Outsiders. Hall chastises Steiner's lack of brains and Nash reminds Ted that NWO is for life. And since he's not, he's a dead man walking. Night Tokels! Then there's a 1-800-collect road report with Lee Marshall. Match Psychosis with Sonny Ono versus Raider fan and NWO B-teamer Conan. Lot of discussion about Ted DiBiase shacking up with the Steiners. <coughs> Cradle DDT and Tequila Sunrise, Conan quickly defeats Psychosis. Rey Mysterio then comes out with crutches. Ray and Conan at road while health pending. Ronan kicks out the crutch and Ray beans Conan with the other one. And Ray can walk. <laughs> Ray Mysterio can walk. Well, match 10. Damien and Silver King versus Ernest Minna and Glacier. I'm sorry, but I didn't pay attention to this one. And neither did the commentators. But a couple facts. Glacier's original armour cost $35,000 to make. And his original entrance, which was, <laughs> which was used all the four times, ran off a bill of about half a million dollars. Flying roundhouse kick from Ernst Miller to Damien wins it for his team. Holy shit, we are doing... Never mind, it's Eric Bischoff. I'm going to the bathroom. Nitro Girls! In the booth of today, Shivani and Heenan. And Kimberly makes a sign of the diamond cutter and leads out her hubby for match 11. Diamond Dallas Page versus Ric Flair. Do you know, or did you know, even though the two have been in WCW together since 1993, this is their first ever singles match. Ric Flair shakes hands with Kurt Hennig. Not sure why. Not that it matters. DDP with an early advantage with a shoulder block and a pie face. Chops by Flair until DDP retakes control until Flair pokes him in the eye. But DDP only needs one eye to sit out powerbomb Flair for a near fall. Kurt Hennig out as we go for a break. Add for the NWO for shirt. For shirt life? Add for the NWO for life shirt? Yeah, for life. After the break, Ric Flair, chop, 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 DDP, fights out the corner, and Flair goes down face first. With an elbow in the corner, top rope, Flair special. Meaning he misses. Hip toss blocked, but swinging that breaker is not. Flair goes 15 yards on DDP's knee with a heading distraction. Uh, discus clothesline by Page. Top, chop, figure four, is hooked, figure four is hooked in, but Page reaches the ropes, forcing a break. But, but Flair knows how to break on floor. On four. <laughs> Flair looking to suplex Page out of the ring, but DDP suplexes Flair in. Figure four by Page, and Mark Curtis gets poked in the eye. Flair reaches the ropes, forcing the break. Ten punches in the corner, cartwheel by Flair, top rope, clothesline by Page, brings Flair down. Pancake slam, and Hennig KOs Flair, and DDP wins it by DQ. Page is up against it, but a double clothesline scatters the horseman. Well, match 12, Los Villanos versus Hector Garza and Lismark Jr. Blatant cool-down spot alert. Might as well do prime order. <laughs> About three minutes later, holy shit, corkscrew, corkscrew plancher by Hector Garza knocks down everyone. Many drop kicks by Lismark and a backbreaker, but Hector Garza is still in the ring. Villanos pulled a twin magic and Los Villanos win. 
Well, up next we have Gene Oakland with JJ Dillon. And Dillon's got an offer for Sting. Let's hear from Sting. Here's Sting. Sting emerges from the rafters, Dan. And Hollywood Hulk Hogan. He was also here to chit-chat, if you will, a little banner with Eric Bischoff from the NWO. But, J.J., there have been so many rumors running rampant throughout the wrestling world. You hear about it back in the locker room. You hear about it in hotels, in airports, wherever I go. The subject of Sting, Sting, Sting. And where this man fits into what's going on in professional wrestling today, I certainly hope you, my friend, can shed some light on it. Well, Gene, as I mentioned last week to the announcers on the phone, it's been about a year since anybody at WCW has talked to Sting. And this, this whole situation with uh, the NWO, I mean, it was a real mess. Because there were a lot of people in WCW management that questioned Sting's loyalties. They, they thought that maybe he had defected at some point to the NWO. There was a tremendous amount of distrust. And Gene, you and I both know that trust is a, is a, it's a strong, powerful commodity. So I can understand better than anybody how Sting had to feel. I can really sympathize with the man. Uh, and maybe he dealt with this whole situation, Gene, uh, a lot better than management at WCW, because as we've seen in recent months by Sting's actions, he is solidly behind WCW. I mean, he's been there to support his friends, his peers in WCW, and I'm talking about Lex Luger, I'm talking about the Giant, and I'm talking about Diamond Dallas Page, but the problem is still there, Gene. It's been a year, and we, we haven't been able to talk to him. Not a word. No, and so it's difficult to figure out just what he wants. But I know one thing for sure, WCW desperately needs Sting. We need Sting in the ring Amen. if we're going to deal with this juggernaut, this, this, this NWO situation. And I've tried every means possible to try and communicate with him. Uh, nothing has worked. I was here when they unlocked the doors in the building today. I have not seen Sting. I've not talked to anybody else that's seen him. I don't think he's here. Well, Gene, I don't know. Uh, I heard from reliable sources that he would be here tonight. Uh, I just wish that he would come forward. I just wish that he would look at me man to man, face to face, eye to eye, and, and give me an opportunity because Sting, I have an opponent for you. I have a valid contract signed by a free agent. It's a binding contract, and all it needs is your signature and a time and a place to make it happen. I, I, I just hope this is what you want. that big grin on your face. James J. Dillon, I congratulate you. Finally, we are going to get some place with the likes of Sting. Sting, if I could have your undivided attention, Mr. Dillon, I think, has a proposition you may be very interested in. I think we're past the point of apologies. I wasn't here for a lot of what took place 
And you know that I can't undo a lot of what's already happened and what's already done. But what I can do is pledge to you that I will do everything in my power from this point forward to try and reestablish, kind of rebuild that trust that once existed between you and WCW. I have a contract. It's signed, it's, it's valid, and I have an opponent for you. We need you back in the ring, and this could be the beginning for you to face your opponent, Kurt Henning. How about that? Yeah. Gentlemen, back there in the broadcast booth, I don't know if J.J. Dillon has just offered Sting an opportunity to meet Kurt Henning. He has a signed contract. just opened the door for him and he ripped up the contract sting please rethink this offer world championship wrestling needs you sting these fans need you he's disgusted <sighs> jj you got his eye you got his ear. Didn't get his signature. I'm not about to give up with this. We need Sting, and I'm going to figure out what it is he wants, and, and I'm going to make every attempt I can to deliver. But apparently, Sting is just going to walk out of the building. I think you got your answer as far as any future date with Kurt Hennig. And guys back there, I'm very curious, Tony, what, what you and Bobby and Mike today might have to say on the reception that J.J. received here tonight. Well, the fact was, Gene, he never even read the contract. He just took it and ripped it right down the middle. He can't undo the past, but he can change the future. J.J. Dillon offers Sting versus Kurt Hennig. What? <laughs> After all this, they want Sting to come back and face Kurt Hennig. What was Sting's response? Sting tears up the contract. I guess that means no. I don't think he wants a warm-up match. No, he wants Hoke. Hogan, he wants Hollywood Hogan for the WCW title. Nitro girls on the entrance ramp. <laughs> Those shirts are abs- absurdly large. Did you say shirts? <laughs> anyway, Michael Buffer with his. Let's you. get ready to rumble. As he introduces match thirteen and the main event. Here we go, Dan. Luger said what a huge opportunity it was for him earlier for the whole of WCW as well. Of course, Hogan wasn't coming out to the NWO theme, was he, Dan? What was he coming out to? Uh, Voodoo Child. He was Voodoo Child, but of course, WWE don't want to pay the rights for that on the network, so they've overdubbed this. And look, he's had a shave. Well, Hogan's been teaming up with people like Dennis Rodman recently, so he wants to change that now. Serious one-on-one competition. He's held this for a year. No man can beat him, Dan. He just doesn't look anything like Hogan without a moustache. <laughs> and the massive muscle mass as well. Yeah. So this is for all the marbles and arguably night seven wrestling's greatest prize as Hollywood Hogan defends the WCW world heavyweight title against a total package Lex Luger here on Monday Nitro and this is what made the Monday Night War so great that we had a match like this on free TV Dan. Yes well you know some might argue that they was just doing that kind of thing to win the ratings 
Here we go. And then we'll lock up. And who's got the power advantage here? Dan, who are you going to go for? Lex. Total package. You think Lex is stronger than the Hulk? He's, he's got youth and exuberance on his side. Only a little bit of youth. <laughs> yeah, Danny, only a lot, yeah. Well, you know, he's the man that slammed Yokozuna. He did, he did. And now he's come back to Nitro. We saw him making his first appearance on the first ever Monday Nitro, saying Hogan, he's back with a big boy's play. And now he's just checking that power, flexing at Hogan, sending him scurrying into the corner. Flexing. <laughs> he was. And Hogan has never had a challenge like this before. But Hogan showing a little bit of power there, pushing Luger back. Give him a little tap. So I got you, brother. Hogan sucks chant going throughout the crowd. <laughs> Clubbing strikes by Hogan to the back of Luger. And the fans, half of them appreciating it, half of them hating Hogan as he's kicking Luger down the turnbuckle. Just choking him with that big boot. And Randy Johnson, who was awful early refereeing, can he get more control of this match? Well, big elbow drops Luger as he's draped over the side of the apron. And Hogan's just punching away at his face. Nice camera angle there. You got to see all the bald spot of Hogan. As Hollywood brings him back in. Oh, big close on takedown. Luger's looking in a lot of trouble early on in this match. And Hogan, he must be quietly confident coming out here on his own. Well, exactly. You know he's got the numbers in the back, don't you, if he ever needs it. But Hogan thinks he can take Luger in a one-on-one situation. Right on the turnbuckle and a clothesline. Hogan saying, get up, boy. So is Luger bitten off more than he can chew in this matchup? Well, you've got to think Hogan is formidable at this moment in time as he picks Luger up and just easily slams him. I mean, what is it? Been two, three minutes and Hogan in complete control. This referee goes to count as he's choking him. <laughs> great, Indeed, yeah. Great officiating ref. But Hogan using the, uh, the hill tactics to their fullest. Every shortcut possible, isn't it? You know, like you say, poked to the eye, right to the back. Choking him wherever he can, breaking on the four count. Yeah, using the ring as a weapon, sending Luger's head into the turnbuckle. Well, Luger's had enough and he's blocking Hogan. <laughs> and now he just goes crazy, bouncing Hogan's head off the top turnbuckle. Oh, now Luger sends Hogan back in and now he's working with those huge kicks to the midsection. Oh, follows up with some big right hands. Some more kicks to the midsection, but Hogan straight oh. out with a poke to the eye of Luger. Exactly, as you said, referee's back was turned. Now Hogan's going to go piss off a second row now. And I think Hogan completely sold that last beatdown. He... <laughs> he's, he's, he's flexing, he's saying, yep, Luger's done. As he goes back to the right hands, and we go to an ad break. And as we come back, oh, I thought that was a bit of a delicate situation he had him in then. Well, that was a second ad break so far during this match. Oh, he had him up for the bear hug, but just brings Luger down. And both men building up a sweat, even though they haven't done a lot in this match. Oh, no, they are under the lights, and uh, we know firsthand how hot it is that close to the that, that is That's an excellent point. And we're not fighting, are we, other men? And Luger managing to kick out, huh? but still in this match, and Hogan going to try and put him down. I'll put you down, boy. Well, he's been in control. In con- <coughs> well, Hogan's been in control most of this match, and he's just completely dominating. And now he's going to go for the pin. Oh, Luger using the ropes as an out this time. 
Hogan thinking he's got victory, and the ref's like, no. Hogan picking Luger up. And now he's telling him what to do as he punches him. This is what I want you to do. Here we go. He's still talking to him. We can see he talked to him, Hogan. And a huge chop. And um, Hogan. We're going to go into it about what killed WCW. But at this moment in time, even though WCW's on top, I already the NWO angle being quite boring in a weird way. Like I like the concept, it's cool. But like Luger's meant to be the great babyface, and in this match, Hogan has dealt with him with ease, you know? And as we move on we'll see what Hogan's like with Sting and other people. I don't know if it's the best thing to do. Do you know what I mean? do you wanna you know like an all conquering fucking bad guy, especially when he's got a whole group of him. I mean he's he's had no there's been no struggle in this match, has there, you know? You know, when a hill's in charge, he normally wins a majority of his matches with, I don't know, the help of his entourage or by devious tactics. So, you know, if he's an all-conquering hill, much like The Miz, you know, he's he's got the help of his wife, Maurice. He's got the help of his Miz, Taraj. But it's like, it's like the Miz get-out card with the Brock Lesnar thing of being able to win your matches as well. Do you know, like yeah. Hogan, he just... He's like he's saying he's protected. Too... Yeah, exactly. I don't I don't know if that's the best thing for the wrestling business. I might be wrong. As he's big booting and slammed him, and now the leg drop. One, two. Oh, this one should be over. But Lex Luger with a powerful kick out there. Ah, and he's still in this match. But Luger uh, Hogan again. Oh, second attempt at a leg drop. This time he missed. And Hogan's hip hit the hard canvas. And now Luger's trying to get to his feet. Close eyes down. Hogan. Oh, here we go. Scott Hall in the ring. Well, he noticed Hogan. Well, he wasn't even in trouble, was he? But still, nah. Luger sends Hall into Nash, who goes over the top. Oh, and Macho Man comes in as well. But none of them got a hit on, on Luger. So it, it, Hogan's not disqualified yet. He's not. And all the rubbish coming into the ring as well. And Luger hits him with a big forearm. To Hogan, sends Macho out. Oh, an elbow for Scott Hall, sending him off the apron. And he's signalling for the torture rack. And a good crowd, a crowd going crazy here. Can he get him up? He's and got he's him. Got Hogan in the torture rack. He Hogan submits. <laughs> oh my God. And your new <laughs> heavyweight champion, Lex Luger. And the fans still throwing rubbish in the ring. Why are you doing it for? It's, it's who you wanted to win. Luger has won here. And Hogan's near near long year streak ends and the locker room comes out to congratulate <laughs> him. <laughs> oh, what a moment. Here comes Steiners. Roddy Piper, Giant. Rey Mysterio. You can't get a touch of him. <laughs> fans just throwing in popcorn. Well, where were they when... NWO came out to attack him. <laughs> Where have they been in the past year when they've been beating everybody up? But now WWE Guerrero. Alex Luger is world champion. What a moment on Monday Night Show, Dan. Well, that's it indeed, yeah. And the whole locker room have come out to share in his glory. That the NWO has finally been toppled. Oh, brilliant. They've done, look how happy the giant is. Look how happy everybody is. This has got to be a fatal blow in the NWO. Dan, what do you think of the match? Um, 
you know, again, it was Hogan doing all the beating down. And then NWO come out and Luger gets him a couple of moves, puts him in the torture <laughs> rack, and Hogan gives up almost yeah. instantaneously. Uh, it was bad. But for this moment alone... Yeah, for the the ending was brilliant. You know, I like the way the the whole locker room comes out to celebrate with him, and the referee's still trying to get in on the glory by lifting his arm constantly. I suppose if Ted uh, <laughs> got walk thrown him, if WWF had gone a different way, Dan, that could have been the sign in WWF. In WrestleMania ten, uh, a WrestleMania ten, yeah, yeah, excellent point that is. But we end Nitro here, and what a moment! And I wonder. I wonder, after that fantastic moment, the momentum on WCW side, how long? I mean, it might be a legendary reign now by Lex Luger. Do you know what I mean? We'll we'll find out because we have got, after that old, which was the Sunday, uh, well, this was August 4th, Nitro. Move on to August 9th, Road Wild. Dan, give us the results. Uh, Harlem Heat defeated Vicious and Delicious. Conan defeated Rey Mysterio Jr. in a Mexican death match. <laughs> Uh, Steve McMichael and Chris Benoit defeated Jeff Jarrett and Dean Malenko in an elimination match Alex Wright defeated Chris Jericho for the Cruiserweight Championship Richard Six Kurt Hennig defeated DDP The Giant defeated Randy Savage Uh, The Steiner Brothers defeated The Outsiders by disqualification so The Outsiders kept their titles and Hollywood Hogan defeated Lex Luger Oh, what? So... I don't think it was a title It was a title match, yeah. Hang on a minute. What? He lost the title six yep. days later. Yep. We are checking up on Rocky Maivia. The young rookie had a dream debut at Madison Square Garden for Survivor Series 96. Then in February 97, he beat what would become his long-time rival, Triple H, for the Intercontinental title. Unfortunately, audiences became increasingly hostile towards Maivia with chants of Die, Rocky, Die and Rocky Sucks being heard during his matches. What is interesting to know is, like you say, the biggest star, arguably the biggest star wrestling's ever seen at this point in time, in 1997, was getting this kind of, I want to say Roman Reigns reaction, it's even worse than that, do you know what I mean? Do you know, I was watching, I think it was 99 episode of Raw, and JR saying, uh, remember this man, Rocky Maivia, he's going to be a big man. You're still going to be knowing who he is in 20 years' time. And, you know, 18 years later, you still know who Rocky Maivia is. Exactly. But at this time, he was really, really struggling. And uh, and like I say, after losing the Intercontinental Championship to Owen Hart on the April 28th, 1997 episode of Raw, and he suffered a legitimate knee injury in a match against Mankind and, and this is the thing uh, in Cold Day in Hell that we've talked about not only did it have the Undertaker and Austin fighting off for the first time ever but on the undercard it was Mankind versus Rocky Maivia Mankind won and famously Mankind mentions in his autobiography he went backstage and he said to Vince look I've been in the ring with quite a few guys I just don't think Rocky Maivia is going to cut it so <laughs> some people are wrong about that but uh like we say, we'll, we'll see what happens. We go on to the August 11th edition of Monday Night Raw. But first, we're going we're gonna to talk about Nitro first, Dan. The August 11th edition of Monday Nitro was held in Denver Coliseum, Denver. The Outsiders, Nash and Hall, defeated Bobby Starr and David Moore to retain the World Tag Team Championships. Meng defeated Raf. Eddie Guerrero defeated Chris Jericho. Dean Malenko defeated Jeff Jarrett by DQ in a WCW United States Championship match. 
The Steiner brothers, Rick and Scott, defeated Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael. DDP defeated Buff Bagwell. Ultimo Dragon defeated Mortis to retain the World Television Championship. And Kurt Hennig defeated Randy Savage by DQ. Well, I tell you something, that is not a bad card, is it, on paper? Uh, well, I was, I was thinking that as I was reading through it myself. <laughs> yeah, you know, aside from uh, Buff Bagwell, I think they're all, well, you know, the Bobby Starr and David Moore. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, with Meng and his Togan death grip. One of my favourite moves of all <laughs> well, time. You can definitely see why WSW was in the lead at this point in time, can't you? You know, because of the uh, amount of talent they had on their roster. Yeah. And, and uh, we move over to the August 11th edition of Raw. And like we said, in the main event, it was Mankind versus Shawn Michaels. The kind of first look at DX. But elsewhere on the card, um, Dan, what else did we have? Um, you had Road Warrior Hawk uh, defeating Henry Goodwin in a country whipping match. <laughs> Scott Putski defeating Tony Williams. Flash Funk defeating Brian Pillman. Shamrock and the Patriot defeated Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. I'll stop you there quickly because we are going to watch the next match. But, I mean, so far on that card, it, it, it's nothing compared to the WWE one, isn't it? Nah. You know? <laughs> well, you know, well, they're all fucking huge guys as well. Yeah. Um, so, up next is Farouk versus Chains. And uh, we, like we said, we spoke about DXO, but how about a little bit of the nation of domination history, Dan, you know? We are the nation of domination. Well, the most well-known nation of domination faction uh, with the name was formed in the WF when wrestler Farouk was joined by manager Clarence Mason. The two men were also accompanied by three unnamed actors, Albert Armstrong, Char- Charles Hines and Richard Beach, who were supposed to represent other members of the nation. Basically, just look big and musty and tough and everything like this. The group was based loosely on the nation Islam, with uh, group members adopting Islamic names wearing Muslim headgear and the Black Panther Party. The extremism of the group's pro-black theme at times, including Nation Salute and Farouk's angry tirade on the microphone, garnered them an excessive amount of heat from fans in the arena. Many wrestlers joined the heel stable over time, including PG-13, J.C. Ice and Wolfie D, Crush, D'Lo Brown and Savio Vega. Their first feud was with Ahmed Johnson, who had a rivalry with Farouk since SummerSlam. At the Royal Rumble, the nation assisted Farouk during the match against Johnson. Farouk lost by disqualification after Crush interfered and attacked Johnson. Well, Farouk, Crush and Vega were the members of the nation of domination who wrestled while others supported them during their matches. These three men often teamed up together in six-man tag team matches, such as one at In Your House 13 Final Four against Goldust and Flash Funk, and most notably in the Chicago Street Fight at WrestleMania 13 against the Legion of, Je- <clears throat> against the Legion of Doom and Ahmed Johnson. At a cold day in hell, the nation faced Johnson in a gauntlet match. Johnson defeated Crush and Vega in the gauntlet before losing to Farouk. This lineup of the group remained intact until Farouk became angry with them and fired the entire group, with the exception of Brown. Uh, after Farouk's loss to The Undertaker at King of the Ring, where Farouk lost the match partly because of the distraction caused when Vega and Crush were arguing at ringside. On the June 16th episode of Raw, Farouk promised that he would deliver a bigger, badder, better and blacker version of the nation after firing Crush, Mason and Savia Vega, retaining only Brown, as you've mentioned, Dan. This led to the induction of Carmen Mustafa, a.k.a. Godfather, and Ahmed Johnson into the group after Johnson turned on then-WF champion the Undertaker during a tag team match against Farouk and Karma. Johnson would be 
forced <coughs> Johnson would be forced out of the group due, due to a legitimate injury. Meanwhile, former Nation members Vega and Crush formed their own rival faction, Los Bariquos, made up entirely of Puerto Rican wrestling. Uh, pu- made up entirely of Puerto Rican wrestlers and the Disciples of Apocalypse, made up entirely of biker wrestlers, respectively. This led to a WWF-style gang war. So that we talked about, we are August 11th. That's a little bit of history as we see Crush uh, go with the DOA going against Farouk. Because Vincent Mann thought people only liked the NWO because of the gang mentality. So why don't you create your own gangs? You know, you have your Puerto Ricans, you have your blacks, and you have your white, you know, your white supremacist racist. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it, Dan, you know? Most definitely, yeah. And uh, this is a completely different crush to the Hawaiian man we see crushing... Uh, Repo Man's head at SummerSlam 92. Yes, it, not so long ago. It is completely different, Crush. You can see uh, completely into the biker gimmick. Maybe the American Badass before the American Badass. You could argue maybe coming out on the bike as well. And don't worry, if you're wondering where the Japanese group is, they wouldn't be far behind. They'd be coming in 1998, wouldn't they? <laughs> so, Kai and Tai. <laughs> yeah, Kai and Tai and cutting off Alvinus's pee-pee. But we'll get Chuffy, to that. Chuffy, chuffy, pee-pee. We'll get to that in all good time. It's changed. Rolls up Farouk. Oh, and these three, like I say, gang wars going on. I mean, do they stand up at this moment in time to the NWO, Dan? <laughs> Not at all, no. Um, you know, as far as gangs go, I think they're just chucking any arseholes together and uh, just trying to create something, really, which, you know, aside from the nation, rarely works. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting to see what happens with the nation because they started off, like we say, that's just a completely like racist point of trying to get the cheat. And what it would turn into is actually something quite special as well as Fruit's going to attack Crush and oh he got caught in the D Brown there, didn't he? He did indeed, yeah. But uh, he's still representing something uh Hawaiian with the Kona on the back of his uh Oh, and he goes for the elbow, Fruit moves out of the way. Yeah, and who would have thought uh, the 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 change in Crush that we will see? And it's only five years as well, if you consider SummerSlam 92 to now. I mean, it's incredible to think it's 20 years since this point in time. The five years seems like a whole lifetime in comparison, you know. Rest- yeah. I don't think wrestling has changed that much in the last 10 years, you know. The kind of the way it looks and the kind of roster. Oh, we see uh, Chains going to close on Farouk, but Farouk hit the referee, the ref's down. Oh, and uh, the shitty elbow and going for the pin. He's down and can't count the three, or two, or even one. Oh, here comes young rookie My- Rocky Myvere down, checking on the referee. It's nice of him, isn't it? Oh. oh. <laughs> Delivers a rock bottom. What? He's meant to be a nice guy, and he just hit the rock bottom. Oh, three, and that is it. And what is going on? Good guy Rocky, helping out Farouk. And JR's reaction to it there. You see, he can't believe the young rookie is turned. And oh, look at this. He's in the fist in the nation salute. Exactly. So he is the newest member of the nation of domination. I wonder how this will help out The Rock's career as we move forward, Dan. Well, you know, I I don't reckon he's going to become anything from here. I mean, you know, he's always going to be second or third fiddle to Farouk and D'Lo Brown. Well, what's incredible to think about as well is when you consider, like, it was the first time... DX were all on screen together. That little moment during the middle of the card with Rocky Myvere doing that, we wouldn't know how impactful that would become, you know? Well, uh, you know, that led to the cocky Rocky, shall we, you know, so to speak, and the Rock with his 
because he he's been good as both a heel and a face, you know, over the next twenty years. Yeah, so you know, uh, it works out for him well. And, and also another good little uh, program to go along with this it would be the table for free one with Farouk, Mark Henry, and the Godfather because they said a few couple of interesting things about the Rock, didn't they? You know. And they were talking about how, you know, Farouk said, oh, let me take The Rock into the group. Let's see what I can do with him. And if it works out, it works out. I don't think anybody realised what it would become. And then they all got gifts as well, didn't they, from The Rock? They did, yes. And uh, I think it was a throwback to a few years ago. But um, Mark Henry and uh, The Godfather both received a very nice expensive watch. And Farouk received a picture of The Rock, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, goes back... To an angle they done on telly. <clears throat> yeah, but to be fair, they did say to him, like, you get the rock to sign that and then you can sell it on eBay for a little yeah. bit of money. So I know it's not a watch, but still, I think it's the thought that counts. Uh, so we do move towards our next episode of Raw, which is Monday the 18th of August. We should say the previous week, it was Mankind versus HBK as Raw's main event. Where Triple H got involved and Rick Rude made his first appearance. But this was the first time they'd ever teamed up in a match. Well, anyway, we've got the results here because we're going to be watching the main event of this show. So, uh, like we say, it took place August 18th at the Atlantic City Convention Centre in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And Dan? We had Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. They defeated the Legion of Doom. Flash Funk defeated Brian Christopher. Ken Shamrock defeated the Sultan. Jesse James defeated Brian Pillman by disqualification. And the Patriot defeated Vader. Yeah, we move on to our main event. But what happened on WCW on this exact day, Dan? There was a dark match. Eugene Nagata defeated Dave Taylor. Harlem Heat defeated Vicious and Delicious, Buff Bagwell and Scott Norton by DQ. Uh, The Barbarian defeated Mortis. Stevie Richards defeated Scotty Riggs. Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael defeated Eddie Guerrero and Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Ric Flair defeated Six by disqualification. Ultimo Dragon defeated La Parker to retain the WCW World Television Championship. And Kurt Hennig defeated The Giant by countout. Uh, DDP and Lex Luger defeated The Outsiders, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall by DQ in a WCW World Tag Team Championship match. Yeah, I mean, that was held in Birmingham, Alabama, but down on paper, what was the better show? Seeing as we haven't watched the main event of Raw yet, should I ask you at the end? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. There's, there seems to be, you know, both have their good and bad points. I think if you put half of one card with the other half of the other card, I think that would be a bloody great card. But, you know, you had the... Uh, Chris Benoit and Steve McMichael going against Eddie Guerrero and Jeff Jarrett. I reckon that would have been quite a good match. Ultimo Dragon defeating La Parker. I think Ultimo Dragon was a great wrestler. But it would be interesting to see what the main event would be like. Yeah, so the interesting thing about that, though, because we've just gone, uh, we're just about to watch main event and we've seen a video beforehand of the Steve Austin uh, thing that happened with Owen Hart. Looking back on it, it looks horrific, doesn't it? You know, It, it looks, oh, I was grimacing throughout that whole... Every six, seven times they showed it, oh, oh nice. No, it, it was really bad. You can see Austin telling Owen that he couldn't move. Rolled him up for the pin, even though it, it, it looked terrible. He didn't have a choice, you know. And now you see uh, three referees trying to lift Austin up. But it's McMahon, isn't it? He's saying, 
and this helped the Stone Cold character, I think, in a weird way, because you had the WrestleMania 13 moment where he's with the blood, and then Owen Hart, the power driver, you know, and Austin still the bionic redneck didn't give up, did he? You know, nah. but man says he's the toughest SOB built towards the character, uh, and, and it's an incredible thing. It would, uh, it can kill people. We've we've seen accidents like that, and you know all the good things said about Owen Hart. It was one of those mis- mistakes. In wrestling, where you know, if you're going to hit a power driver, you need to make sure that you've got him in the right position. Yeah, well, that's kind of the reason why the power driver's been pretty much yeah. outlawed in WWE. Yeah. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for allowing us to come to your hotel room here. I know uh, you've got a very busy and a very crucial 24-hour period here in Philadelphia, seeing a specialist tomorrow about your neck, but thanks for giving us a little of your time. Well, you're welcome for the time, but if you're here to ask a bunch of questions, you might as well start asking them. Otherwise, I'll throw your ass out the window. And it, 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 to cover the hotel room, this ain't a hotel room that I would stay at. You know, when I got hurt at SummerSlam and I got dumped on my head, no one called me and said, hey, Steve, you okay? And no one ever sent a card, nothing like that. Not that I would expect it, but at least I would, you know, maybe a call just to see what the hell's going on with the hottest damn wrestler in the world. But I got nothing. So the WWFC is fit to put me in a room like this with all this fruit and trash like this. You want a pear? You want an apple? You want, you want a banana or something? Yeah, make yourself at home, man. Well, but if you've got questions to ask, go ahead and ask them because I'm, I'm getting a little tired of you. I'd like for you to address three things, if you don't mind. Sure. One is SummerSlam, your paralysis after being driven in the mat from the tombstone by Owen Hart. The second thing is what the doctors have told you. And thirdly and lastly, what you perceive your future to be here in the WWF. Well, let's start with SummerSlam. The bottom line is I'm the Intercontinental Champion. Right? Right. Well, that, that, that's that. But aside from that, at the end of the match... Close to the end of the match, when, when uh, Owen Hart dumped me on my head, you figure I weigh 245, 250, bam, you get planted in the match, it happens. And uh, for basically about 50 seconds, I couldn't move my arms and my legs, and I didn't know if I ever would move again. It's pretty, pretty damn scary. So, uh, you know, I'm through with that, looking past that. I've watched that on tape probably 30 or 40 times, and it still sucks each time I see it. But I'm over it, and I'm moving around, and I'm happy about that. But uh, Owen Hart has got hell to pay. You get dumped on your head, you get in a position that I was put in, it ain't worth a damn. And I'm just uh, a little bit f***ed off. Well, I'm not a little bit f***ed off, I'm a whole lot f***ed off. But you know what they say, it's better to be f***ed off than f***ed on. But Owen Hart's got hell to pay when I come back. And you, you say you got another question, well, what's the other question? Well, the doctors, you've, you've, you've seen several yeah, I've doctors. I've seen a couple of doctors, and one guy said, uh, uh, maybe you should do something else. Well, Steve Austin doesn't do anything else. What I do is wrestle, and I'm the best wrestler in the world, and can't nobody tell me different. So I'm supposed to see the top guy, the top spine guy in the country tomorrow here in Philadelphia and see what he has to say. And it doesn't matter really what he says, the, the, the end result, the decision's mine. He can sit there and say, don't do this, try not to do this, whatever. But the bottom line is, I'm the one that makes the decision. So I'll sit there, rethink things, and go from there. But uh, regardless of what he says, Owen Hart's got hell to pay. You know, when you do something to what, when you do what he did to me, you know, well, if it's my last step in life, you can damn well bet he's going to get the kicked out of him one way or the other. And that's it. You know, I don't know when, where, how, or what, but it's going to happen. As far as my future, don't sit there and try to butt in because I'm talking, right? Okay, as far as my future goes, hell, like I said, I'll listen to what the doctor says, but I'm going to do what I want. The future for Steve Austin, as far as I'm concerned, is to put on his black trunks and black boots and show up. I'm going to take a few days off. I'll probably take a few weeks off. Because, you know, when you're sitting there at the house, you watch a film of uh, getting paralyzed for there 50 seconds, you watch it 30, 40 times, 
you know, kind of, you, you get a little depressed. So I drank a few cases of beer. I'll tell you exactly what I did. I'd just ride around on my four-wheeler, drink a few beers, and sit there and think about it. But uh, I'm going to go see this doctor and see what he has to say. And, but as far as I'm concerned, the only way I can see my future is to be Stone Cold Steve Austin, continue on right through the top in the WWF, just like I've done since I've been here. All the damn bureaucratic red tape, all the bull that I've been through, it's taken me eight years to get to where I'm, where I'm at right now. If you think for one split second that a pile driver is going to stop me, it ain't going to happen. Did it slow me down? Damn right, but it ain't going to stop me. Ground zero, sub-zero, whatever the hell you want to call it. In Louisville, I'll be there. Whether it's to uh, hand the belt over, if I decide maybe it's time to hang it up, I'll do that. I don't think that's going to happen. I think when uh, Ground Zero rolls around, you'll see Stone Cold, don't wipe your nose. It pisses me off. You'll see Stone Cold Steve Austin, and don't smile. You'll see Stone Cold Steve Austin, a black pair of trunks and a black pair of boots, and I'll be out there whipping somebody's ass. I don't know what kind of match it is. It's some kind of little uh, four tag teams or some kind of shit like that. Is that right? That's right. Okay, well, I'll be there. And the, 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 what, what, what gets me is, is that Steve Austin is in a new level now because... You know, if, if I was pissed off before, I'm a lot more pissed off now, and that makes me even more dangerous, not a liability, and that's the bottom line. You got anything else you want to say? No, sir. Then get the hell out. I think the Steve Austin interview there by JR. Well, he was a bit pissed off. No, you know, it was it was a typical Stone Cold interview. You know, he was getting pissed off by everything Jim Ross was doing. He was saying, don't butt in, I'm trying to talk, and it was just a one-sided interview with Austin doing pretty much all of the talking. It was, and but it, it's the Austin character right there, isn't it? You yeah. Everything he's about, everything he believed in. He said it'll take a couple of days, a couple of weeks off to recover from a serious neck injury. We normally put someone out for a year, you know, saying he is the top superstar in the world, top best wrestler. Wrestling is all he does. It's not about films. It's not about TV. It's not about anywhere else. It's just about being the best in the WWF, and that's what I really appreciate about Steve Austin. And what Austin was saying as well in the previous interview is he's Intercontinental Champion, he's Tag Team Champion at Ground Zero, the upcoming pay-per-view. If he wants to defend him, but he has to vacate him, that's what we'll do. But let's watch the main event first, and then we'll talk about Ground Zero afterwards. So, Mankind and Undertaker, weird tag team, aren't they, Dan, going into the main event? Yeah, most definitely, you know, uh, especially the history these two are going to have as well. Yeah, and this makeshift team of Hunter Hearst Helmsley, this Greenwich snob, teaming up with the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels as well. That's a bit of a weird team. I can't see that lasting long. No, I, know, I can't. But Shawn Michaels has got a big match against the Undertaker at Ground Zero. It's the first ever pay-per-view meeting of the, the two men. It's the first in your house to go over three hours. So Shawn's basically turned his back on the universe because they blamed him for costing the Undertaker the title. And he said, it's not my fault. You shouldn't blame me. So now we've got the kind of cocky attitude. To be fair, as a fan, this is my, probably my favourite Shawn Michaels. This kind of... Cocky Shawn. The, the cocky Shawn of, you know, you wanted to punch him in the face, but no one could argue. Once he stepped in between those ropes, Dan, he could go, and he never had a bad match in this period of time, you know? How do you think things are going to go with him and uh, <laughs> Triple H? Well, at the moment, he started with China. I don't know if she likes it or not. Called Shawn Michaels, Triple H, friends from the clique. But the first time they'd ever been seen together on WF television. Well, a moment, Dan, eh? And now, coming out now as a deranged Mankind. I like Mankind when he was like this. Yeah? Yeah. Just dirty and he just... The amount of punishment he could take. The amount of punishment he gave to himself. As we see, Mankind's been dealing with a lot throughout this year. We've seen Dude Love 
And now he's here tonight, going to team up with his greatest adversary in the WWF. The man who threw him off a cage and threw a cage. Yeah, and the man who's got his own problems at the moment with Paul Bearer. I mean, Paul Bearer said that Kane, his brother, is alive. The awe-inspiring Undertaker entrance. I think he made everybody jump with that then. (laughs) (laughs) Pyros that make people jump, but lights going on that make people jump. 27 years of The Undertaker now. And even now, back 20 years ago, 97, look how respected he was by Lafaz. Look how he was treated as a main event player. And you've got to say, in this match, with four legends. I mean, we have seen legends today. Even in the last Raw main event, we saw Owen Hart Bulldog. They deserve to be a Hall of Fame, didn't they? You know, Most so. definitely, yeah. And China included. Let's not forget about China. He is telling the fans to suck it. <laughs> Why would he be doing things like that? Don't know. He's oh. such a degenerate. He really is. Hunter Hurstelmsley is the opposite of that. He's a Greenwich snob, and he's had problems with mankind throughout all of 1997. Oh, mankind goes for a kick to the midsection, but Triple H catches it, but gets caught with a clothesline. <laughs> Michaels comes in and gets uh, tossed by mankind, goes over to Undertaker, he puts his fist up, and Michaels immediately backs down from him. Oh, mankind going after Triple H in the corner, but Michael's stopping it, and now look at these two. Working together Not very well. Oh. well. They was to a point until Mankind fought out and now he's beating the pair of them. And Undertaker's just stood in his corner waiting for darkness. My God, both men been knocked back, getting knocked down but straight back up again. Now Taker tags himself in to get a piece of Michaels. Well, Mankind went bang, bang. As though maybe a little sign of something happening maybe. Well, but now look, Shawn Michaels is on the outside holding the Undertaker's foot so he can't move. Uh-oh, but it doesn't stop him. And Undertaker now has got Triple H. The corner, look at the punches. Trying to grab hold of the Undertaker's foot, distracting him. Oh, Triple H <laughs> trying to capitalise on that, but gets chucked over the top and lands on Michael's head. <laughs> and they're the power of the dead man. Living us, well, part of a super kick there to Undertaker, sending it back into the cockles is in. I think it just like to say, yeah, grazed the back of his head, but that's enough impact there to put the Undertaker down, or to stun him at least. Takes Triple H back in, but the Undertaker's recovered. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> throws Michaels into the corner by his throat. But <laughs> Michaels again retreating as quickly as he can. Uh, who's Michaels calling? It's not his insurance policy, is it? It is his insurance policy. It's Rick Rude. So now you've got Rude, China, Triple H and Michaels. Wow, and Michaels and Triple H working really well together. Yeah, Mankind's back in after the ab break and Triple H off the top oh, now. Oh, Triple H off the top gets caught in the mandible claw. <laughs> oh no, wait, China! Oh! <laughs> well, China takes Mankind's legs from underneath him and ring posts him. <laughs> well, Amit Johnson once said, I ain't selling for no bitch, but... Mick Foley didn't have a problem with China throwing him about and uh, against the ring post now. And sure Michael's in. Oh, forearm, followed by his classic nip-up. Oh, but Mankai fighting him off now, pushing him against the ropes. Oh, oh nice. Blind tag. Oh. Oh, and the old high-low. Michaels and Triple H, they're really working well together. They are, they really are. I'm surprised <coughs> of the, uh, the, the chemistry between the two. And now look at Triple H. Look at Hunter Hurst Helmsley. The punches to Mankind. Was raising his foot for Triple H to bounce uh, Mankind's head off, but Mankind went in the opposite direction and started taking over on Triple H. Yeah, but then Michaels hits Mankind from behind, knocks him off the apron. Oh, oh and then gets thrown knees first into the steps. 
I thought Triple H would do to you. Look at China, looking down at him. She's smirking, Dan. No, she's just got a grin on her face. Well, this is the war zone. It's an all-out war now. Triple H throw Mankind in. Another quick tag to Shawn Michaels. Irish rip by HBK. Oh, big back elbow. Oh, <laughs> oh. taunting the Undertaker, getting him pissed off. Well, I don't, I don't think that's the best, best plan for Michaels. Triple H with his foot up. And uh, Michael's Rams Foley's uh, Mankind's head into it, but Mankind again trying to fight out. I think Mankind liked it, but Triple H got hold of the mask, poked to the eye, and now punches. Referee can't see it, of course, because Michael's is trying to bring the Undertaker in. Mankind went for the back elbow, got caught with the right hand by Triple H, right back into the corner of Shawn Michaels. And they're attacking the face in this, aren't they, Dan? Have you noticed? They most certainly are, yes. <laughs> You don't see that in many matches where you just go for the head, but hey-ho. As Michael's got the power to pick Mankind up. Oh, lovely snap suplex. Going up top, a bit of classic Michaels. And there's not many hitting elbow better than the heart prey kid. But now is it time? Oh, Michaels is tuning up the band. <clears throat> Tags in Triple H, looking for the sweet chin. Oh, Foley catches it. Oh, Mandible got... claw on Michaels, but Triple H had the tag in. Oh, he's going for the pedigree, Triple H. Oh, not like this. Oh, no. Mankind takes Triple H's feet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hunter Hurst Helmsy kicks Mankind into the ring post, but he falls down headfirst into Hunter's crutch. Can he get the tag to Undertaker? Well, Michaels, Triple H trying to stop him. Undertaker's in. And Michaels is out of there. <laughs> Triple H being caught with a big right hand by the Undertaker getting Irish whipped. Oh, big clothesline. Boom. Drops the leg across the throat of Hunter. That is vintage. One, Undertaker. No. Triple H managing to kick out. Ah, back to his feet, but out of the ring now. Eliminated from the Royal Rumble by the Undertaker. And oh. now he's got his hands on Michaels, or more specifically around his throat. That's what everybody wants to see. poke to the eye. That's what everybody wants to see. And Michaels. Oh. oh, big right hand sends him <laughs> crashing into the barricade. Oh, Triple H off the apron. He had a chair, but got knocked down by Mankind. Oh, my God. Finally, Untaker and Sean on the outside. Oh, he sensed Rick Rude coming up behind him. Dropped Michaels and immediately turned to ravishing Rick. Well, the insurance policy has just helped out Sean Michaels. And now Rude's trying to get in the ring for safety. Oh, Triple H walks into Undertaker's chokeslam. And one armed chokeslam. And Michaels has got the chair. Oh, Christ. <laughs> Unprotected chair shot straight to the head of The Undertaker. Well, that's what cost him the WWF title when Michaels did it unintentionally. He's definitely done it intentionally here tonight. Well, unless he was trying to hit Rick Rhodes. <laughs> and now that chair, which is dented. Oh, my God. But The Undertaker managing to sit up with a busted open head. Oh. But Michael sends him back down to the mat. Well, Triple H back in. And uh, what a wild end. I mean, it's not over here, but Undertaker sits up yet again and sends Rick Rude, Shawn Michaels and Triple H scurrying. Up. With China. Yeah, with China up the entrance ramp. <laughs> <laughs> Undertaker busted all over. What do you think of that, Dan? Wow, you know, these, these two young guys, completely mismatched pairing. They certainly impressed. But The Undertaker, he looked totally immortal and... 
you know, very scary. But it was, I thought it was a really good match, even though it was no proper ending to it. I thought, like you say, both men, it, all four men worked well. I think that would hold up today. I think if you put that on yeah. Raw, that match wouldn't have any problem with that, you know. Uh, it, it was fun. We don't have a lot of fun anymore. But uh, that is it from Raw. So what did you think was better, Raw or Nitro on August 18th? Raw. Raw, <laughs> yeah. It advanced the story, didn't it? You know we've got Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker coming up. Uh, you know Triple H and Mankind Fuse still ongoing. And, of course, we saw Bret Hart earlier. He's a WF champion, but focusing on the Patriot. So we move to pay-per-views. We just talked about Ground Zero. Uh, so, yeah, we go to In Your House Ground Zero from the Louisville Gardens, Louisville, Kentucky. And it was the 7th of September, 97. Dan, what were the results? Um, Brian Pillman beat Goldust to win the services of Marlena for 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Women were objects back then, yeah. Brian Christopher beat Scott Putsky when the match was stopped due to a legitimate knee injury. Yeah, was, I didn't want to show you it, but it was a really gnarly knee injury, honestly. It's fucked up, man. Uh, a triple threat match, Savio Vega beat Crush and Farouk. Yeah, each members of the team, weren't they? The, uh, you had Los Bariquas, the DOA, and of course Nation of Domination. Uh, Max Mini beat El Torito. There was a four-way elimination match for the World Tag Team Championships. And the Headbangers beat the Road Wins and Owen, and Hart, Owen Hart and Davey Boy Smith to win the titles. Yeah, quite a bit of a, a surprise there. What we should say is Steve Austin came out during the show and vacated not only the IC title but also the tag team title to JR. And hit JR with a stunner, which was the first time Steve Austin had hit anybody in the WF with a, a WF official with a Stone Cold Stunner. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, so, go on. Bret Hart beat the Patriot for the WWF, obviously, champion Bret Hart. The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels fought to a no contest. Yeah, no contest between the two. Well, WWF. Uh, and our last pay-per-view, to, uh, last pay-per-view results to end everything uh, is Full Brawl, which was September 14th, 1997. Of course, this keeps us up to date now because we just had Ground Zero, the WF pay-per-view, a week previously. Give us the results for this one, Dan. Uh, Eddie Guerrero defeated Chris Jericho to win the Cruiserweight Championship. The Steiner Brothers defeated Harlem Heat. Alex Wright defeated Ultimo Dragon for the Television Championship. Jeff Jarrett defeated Dean Malenko. Raf and Mortis defeated the Faces of Fear, Meng and the Barbarian. The Giant defeated Scott Norton. Lex Luger and DDP defeated Scott Hall and Randy Savage. Uh, the NWO, Buff Bagwell. <laughs> Just ask me your own question. <laughs> Kevin Nash, Six and Conan defeated the Four Horsemen, Benoit, McMichael, Flair and Kurt Hennig in a War Games match. In a War Games match. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, the next time we f- catch up with WCW and the WWE will be in September and it will be for the September 22nd edition of Raw and Nitro, which are two huge episodes. So I hope, follow you, hope to, you can make sure you catch that one next month. Of course, in October, we've got Halloween Havoc 97. In November, we focus on we focus on the Montreal Screwjob and the Spice News 97. Starcade, where Sting finally gets his shot at Hollywood Hogan. Gorilla Monsoon makes his final appearance in the role of WWF president. As Sergeant Slaughter is named Commissioner, the title of President, which had been used in storylines only, is retired at this time. Monsoon, who is starting to suffer from failing health, begins making fewer live appearances at WWF events, 
during the rest of his life. His final came a year and a half later at WrestleMania 15 in 1999, just over six months before his unfortunate death. So that leads us on to the next episode of what we're going to watch, which will be September 22nd, which will be uh, next month on the WNR podcast. So we're just going to look back at what we've watched and Dan, cut the things. So we're going to give ratings because we always compare it. So with matches first, which had the better matches? Was it Raw? Was it Nitro? I don't know. I think it was Raw. Yeah, I've got to go with you there. I, I agree. I think Raw had the better matches. I think the tag team match we saw with the formation of DX versus Mankart, the was better than anything else we saw in Nitro. Uh, promos or in-ring incidents that happened? Uh, I'll have to get that on to WCW. I completely agree with you. You know, you see the Sting story, him coming out, destroying people, the Parker match with Macho Man. Yeah, that would have been better if it was on WWE, I reckon. But, you know, they wouldn't have hyped WWE up to what it was if they wasn't going against just any old crap on WCW. Well, talk about what had a better roster of wrestlers. Who did you enjoy more? To what they became, I think WCW had a you know, with all the wrestlers, let's say Diamonds in the Rough, an early Rey Mysterio Jr., uh, Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit, um, you know, Booker T even. You know, they had a lot of great wrestlers, but I still think the more entertaining roster was Raw. Oh, that's interesting to know. Uh, I, I'm going to go against you. I'm going to say WWE because like you mentioned, Jericho, Malenko, Guerrero, all these guys on there, I think they had a better roster. What had the better look? Was it Raw or Nitro? What was more aesthetically pleasing, as they say? I think Nitro looks a bit cheap, so I'm going to go with Raw. <laughs> but then again, I do like the Nitro girls. Uh, Nitro girls! Nitro girls! Uh, because I have gone for WSW. I like the WSW look. I don't know why. It's, it looks different. The more fireworks, more fancy. Uh, whereas Raw I do like the Raw set but I just found out you know I'm a, I'm a sucker for fireworks so I've got to go WSW so especially when they make people jump especially especially when they make people jump yeah so at the moment it is it's it's level at the moment so what we've got to say to end it all because you know the commentators that we agree and disagree as well four points each what was overall going to pick Either Monday Night Raw or WSW Monday Nitro to watch in 1997, Dan. In what we've just watched now, what would you pick? Knowing what I know now, it would probably be Nitro. I agree with you. Is it because... Well, I would have watched wrestlers like Eddie Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, The Big Show even. You know, I would have watched them a lot more closely... Because it's Big Show in his prime, you know, you commented on how svelte Big Show looked, how flexible he was, you know, to see him in his heyday. Because when he joined WWE, you know, apart from the first couple of years, he did start getting a bit bigger and a bit slower. And, you know, again, with Rey Mysterio, seeing him as Rey Mysterio Jr., I think you would have liked to see the unmasking of him and, you know how handsome he actually looks. I've got to agree with you with Nitro, but in a different point, but in the kind of same way. Because if you're looking back on it, it's WSW on top at this point in time. Uh, And to see someone else, I mean, we've got so accustomed to the WWE way 
of doing things now with Raw, Smackdowns, pay-per-views. It's great to see another company doing it, which are doing basically the same thing, but differently, bringing their own take to it. And I know a lot of things weren't successful in WCW, but at least they were trying other things. You know? And I think to go back and be able to watch it, now knowing that all I've got to watch for the next 20 years is Monday Night Raw, I would probably give WCW everything up until, you know, the death of WCW. Because... Looking back at it now, you've got to give it a chance, haven't you? You've got to see what it was. And like I say, in the roster of things and the storylines, you know, with Sting and Hogan and the NWO thing and the DDP Savage, you're emotionally invested in the characters yeah. as well, aren't you? But then, you know, you didn't see, we haven't seen the formation of the Wolf Pack yet, which, yeah. you know, was one of my favourite little groups. Um, you know, there's still a lot more storylines to come. The evolution of Goldberg. Yes, yes. And, you know, to see how that all come about and what he had to go through. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, and this is the thing, don't worry, everybody listen to this now, we are going to follow the attitude of a through. That means, not, uh, that means in 2018, it's going to be even sicker than it was in 2017 because we're going to reach the attitude era. And then for the next three years, we're fog- all our attention's basically going to go on that as well because 20 years since the age of attitude, uh, and this is what people have been asking us for so long on this podcast to do as well. I've asked from the start. Yeah, I know. And this is what we're finally going to get into. Jared wanted it as well, so, if, you, if you remember him from the early episodes. So everyone who wanted that tune here and stuff, you're going to be getting it. And this is the advent of actually. This is the beginning. And like we say, what? the next episode, what? next episode, what? we have got Austin McMahon and we've got Goldberg's debut. But that is everything from today. Uh, but that is it for WCW versus WWE Monday Night Wars for now. Uh, Dan, anything else you want to add? Chris Benoit's still innocent. So before we go, if you want to contact us about anything, let us know your favourite Attitude Era moments, you know, and then we can show it on the podcast as well. To do that, you need to follow us on Twitter at WWE Network Review or at Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins. We've also got another friend on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, Dan. We do indeed, yes. We have mini Chris Benoit and he's just trying to make the world a better place. Yes, one step at a time, you know. Also on Facebook. Facebook, you can come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review. Or you can come and find me and add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. We're also across all the Google platforms, the Google Plus, WWE Network Review. Send us an email at wnrpodcast at gmail.com. And on YouTube, where we've had some big news recently, Oscar and Moon has hit over 10,000 views, Dan. Gosh. So we'd like to thank everybody who's watched that. Make sure you catch all the latest videos that go on there. You know, there'll be all clips of matches and, of course, the podcast go at the same time as you do other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're on Stitcher Radio. We're on Spreaker Radio where we're doing the live shows. Don't forget, August 19th, August 20th, NXT TakeOver kickoff, SummerSlam. It's going to be huge. And also on iTunes, don't forget you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. But that is everything. I have been James Rowlands. And as always, I have been joined by... Dan White. Don't forget, next week, episode 116, it is the WWE Network Roundup. We're going to have it a week early, a week before SummerSlam. We're going to be watching four episodes of NXT, four episodes of 205 and all the latest news. News. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. 